Hello there, and welcome to a new episode of the Hyperbaric Reviews. With myself, the man whose luck is so bad he would likely die sitting on a toilet, is bread roll. Which means that the man who's with me, whose hip movements are so striking that he's often had the moniker, clever girl, on a night out, is JT. <laughs> Hello everyone. And for people who are obviously unaware, that's taken bread roll three goes to do that intro. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I just can't, can't speak today, so it's probably obviously a bad omen for this particular episode. <laughs> So thank you once again for joining us. We are this week carrying on our look at Spielberg movies. And today we are looking at Jurassic Park, which is actually Spielberg's 15th movie that he directed. And it's also his highest grossing one as well. Oh, I didn't know it was um, his 15th film, but yeah, it, it did really well, didn't it? $63 million budget and it's made over a billion dollars at the box office. So you can't really grumble with that, can you? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we did say last week Jaws um, which is obviously his first big kind of breakout movie it kind of put him on the map and this movie is what I don't know 15 years later or something that he directed it by this point in 1993 he was like the man well he's the man still and he's like probably like the most well-known director in history but like he had you know if he was making a movie he didn't really have to ask for anything did it if he wanted the budget or if he wanted actors they just came straight to him yeah I'd say this is probably around his peak wasn't it he's He's not quite as prolific these days or, I mean, his films are still massive, don't get me wrong, but they don't seem to have the hype they used to have. Some of them sort of even slip under the radar a bit. I've seen films and trailers and stuff and not even realised it was a Spielberg film, but certainly back then, sort of 93 this came out, didn't it? He was the daddy, wasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And his movies, as we've discussed going on, um, we're doing a few Spielberg movies over the next couple of weeks, but they had a certain magic about them. Um, and I just don't think you find that in his movies. Now, we tried watching his version of War of the Worlds the other day. And again, I've never been a huge fan of that movie, but it just feels a bit generic. I mean, it's obviously shot really well. I mean, it's got big budget and whatnot, but it just didn't have that kind of like that movie magic. It doesn't seem to exist anymore in cinema for my taste. Yeah, I was disappointed with that. I remember getting quite hyped and actually going to the cinema to see it and thinking it was a bit flat, really. I didn't really like it much. It was a bit boring. Yeah, so Jurassic Park is, once again, a bit like Jaws, it's based off of a book which came out in 1990 by a writer called Michael Crichton. So, yeah, actually, this book was actually out for a few years before they made a script out of it, unlike Jaws, which pretty much must have been written at the same time as the book, um, (laughs) because they came out like a year later, which just seems a bit strange. Um, And I just remember growing up, like, for me, in my childhood, this was probably the movie event of my childhood. Like, I just remember when this movie came out, I was about eight years old, thereabouts, and this movie was everywhere. Like, you could walk around town, McDonald's, Burger King, Woolworths, any shop you went into was just completely packed with Jurassic Park merchandise. It was absolutely huge. Yeah, obviously, I'm a little bit older than you, and I remember going to the cinema to see this, the sort of release week, and um, I was working as my first ever job, and me and my mate, my best mate at the time, who I worked with, I got him the job there, that's another story, um, we were so hyped all day to go and see this film. We, we were sort of teenagers and it's just like, this is going to be the best thing ever. And, you know, back then it, it certainly was. I mean, the effects really hadn't been seen before, possibly Terminator 2. But obviously that was, what, 15 rated? So this was obviously PG, wasn't it? So this was more sort of attainable for children and sort of the younger crowds, wasn't it? It is, yeah, because as we said last week, like Jaws originally was a PG, but it obviously was pretty gory. This movie is a PG, and it still is, um, at least on the Blu-ray that I watched last night. 
Um, but it's not as gory, but it still has its moments. Like it is quite, you know, as its moments, it's quite spooky in other places. But like you say, at the time, the, s- the special effects were like state of the art. I mean, there's a good mix of animatronics and obviously some pretty hardcore CGI for the time as well. And overall, I think it holds up for the most part. Yeah, it does. Um, you talking about the Blu-ray there, I sort of texted you the other day and said this this nearly didn't happen. It's been taken off bloody Netflix, hasn't it? So I, I, went to watch it. It, I went to watch it on Netflix. I was like, shit, it's not there. Checked Prime, seven ninety nine. I was like, although obviously it's a great film, I was like, I don't really want to pay seven ninety nine because, you know, it's Jurassic Park and it's old and I've seen it a hundred times, but I need to watch it again for the podcast. So in the end, my dad, bless him, went to CX and bought the DVD for £1.50. So <laughs> I watched it on a fucking DVD. The quality wasn't great. So some of the effects, I think, probably looked ropey because of the quality of the DVD, not because of the quality of the effect when I was watching it. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, especially blowing up on a modern-day TV, that would look a bit grim. <laughs> yeah, I forgot, I forgot how bad DVD quality was. I think it's like 480p, isn't it? I don't even think it's 720. So, yeah, it didn't look great. <laughs> well, we'll, um, we'll see what you make of it as we go along. So... The movie opens up. It's got a pretty quick opening. Like even back in '93, movies tended to have those like long opening kind of like credit crawls. This yeah. literally comes up saying Steven Spielberg, based on the book by Michael Crichton, Jurassic Park, and we're done. That's the credits. That's all you need <laughs> to know. And then we see like a dark, sort of foresty area. Um, and there's loads of armed guards stood around. And there's a guy called Robert Muldoon who's quite important for the movie, but he's a bit of a bell end as well, which I'll point out <laughs> as time goes on. <laughs> but he's like stood there. And I like the way they do the effect because what they're doing is they're bringing in that obviously that big cage that's got a velociraptor in it. But the way it's done, it looks like a, like a T Rex or something is coming through the woods. The way it's like rustling and coming towards them. I thought when I was in the cinema, I remembered thinking, "Oh, it's going to be a T Rex, going to be a T Rex." I was getting really excited. Then some <laughs> fucking forklift truck comes out. And I was like, "Oh, oh shit!" But um, <laughs> they wheel this cage into place and they're trying to get a velociraptor out of it and into like a paddock. Things go wrong, and as the geezers lifting the uh, the cage door up. The raptor runs out and hits something, and he falls down and gets dragged into the cage. Muldoon tries to save him, and he's got that classic close-up, and he's going, shoot her, shoot her. <laughs> but the guy uh, croaks it. And then we cut to the jungle, and there's a geezer who's completely overdressed. I would not be wearing a fucking suit if I was in some fucking sweaty bollock jungle, but he's fucking there, and he's full-on suit, isn't he? It's like, is he the lawyer guy you're talking about? Is he? Yeah, uh, Gennaro, I think his name is. Yeah, that's right. Do you know what, though? Just before we carry on, I always forget how this film starts. And I say that with a lot of the films we review. The Thing was another one. Just forget about the opening. I totally forgot watching this yesterday. And I, it wasn't that long ago I last watched it. Totally forgot about that whole opening scene. I don't know why. But like you say, it's quite short, but it's to the point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It just sort of gets you straight in there. And then we get. As I say, Gennaro, he's being pulled along and he's meeting some, like a bunch of miners, basically. And this is kind of just setting up like what the the idea of the movie is. So they're talking about Mr. Hammond and they're saying like, you know, because of the accident that we just saw, they're not sure about the, the investors aren't sure about the safety of the parks. Now they want to get some specialists on there to go in and give it their seal of approval. And he's saying they got a guy called Ian Malcolm and they want to get a guy called Alan Grant. And then the, the miner guys are, oh, you'll never get Alan Grant because he's like me. He's a digger. Then we see him holding that kind of like block of amber with the mosquito inside and it just cuts away. So we sort of open the movie with just a sudden death and then just a little bit of talking with some guy who's a bit overdressed for the jungle. 
Yeah, and as I say, that that's the two bits I always forget. Obviously, the the mosquito in the amber is how Jurassic Park starts. We find out a little bit later on. We now cut to um to Grant and his crew, and they're sort of digging, aren't they? Archaeologists, archaeologists, can't speak bad as you now. Archaeologists site, <laughs> and they they find the um the dino skeleton, don't they? And we hear a bit a little bit about the Velociraptor, which I'm sure. I used to be really into dinosaurs as a kid. I did a project at primary school on dinosaurs. I was massively into them. But velociraptors were never dinosaurs, certainly when I was young, that we talked about or even knew about. It was all T-Rex, Stegosaurus, Triceratops, all the big boys. But velociraptors, until I saw Jurassic Park, I'd never heard of them before, I don't think. No, no, I, I completely agree. I mean, in the early 90s and stuff, again, I know you're a bit older than myself, but obviously dinosaurs are popular for me as a younger kid just because dinosaurs are cool but yeah i'd never heard of the velociraptor until this movie but it's kind of revitalized the whole dinosaur trend didn't everyone like was really into dinosaurs again after this movie i wonder if there are species that was only discovered shortly around the time the book was written or the movie came out because i did unfortunately a bit like jaws this movie spawned a load of shit sequels and they're still coming out (laughs) now unfortunately but one of the worst ones is the third one and there's a dinosaur on that called they called it the spinosaurus which just sounds like a really shit name but i remember reading that that dinosaur was only discovered about a year or two before they filmed that movie so they were obviously maybe it was a new discovery at the time but you're right i'd never heard of it until the movie yeah it might well have been maybe we should have done some dinosaur research before we did this podcast on the old uh, velociraptor but yeah it plays quite a big part in the film i mean it's not a spoiler alert is it? everyone knows this film but yeah certainly never heard of him before this but we get sort of um Grant gives this kid a whole fucking story on the raptor, doesn't he? And we get quite a backstory on it and stuff and what it does. So you kind of know that you're going to be seeing these things later on in the film. Yeah, and actually what he tells that kid is quite integral, again, with old Muldoon later, isn't it, really? I mean, because he's yeah. like, um, the raptor will be staring at you and then the attack will come from the side. Like, one will lure you in and the others will attack you. They won't attack you head on like a lion would, um, which comes into play later. And we also get a little bit of an affinity for grant who's a bit of a technophobe isn't he like, he just doesn't like computers doesn't seem to like kids he doesn't seem to like anything but dinosaur bones really <laughs> yeah he's like fucking johnny lawrence isn't he he doesn't like anything <laughs> and he's technophobe so yeah he's quite a cool character though i do quite like uh, old grant in this film he's pretty good yeah played by sam neill who's a bit of a legend and then you've got um his missus ellie sadler his sort of partner in work and life played by laura dern um two good actors to put in this really yeah, I actually um, had a bit of a thing for Laura Dern in this. I think she's quite hot in this film. No arguments. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're there with, um, they're, they dug up a velociraptor bone and they're sort of studying it and Grant's just scared the shit out of some kid. Then a helicopter comes down and the pilot's kind of pointing at Grant and Ellie to sort of go to their trailer. So they run over to it and um, they find old Colonel Sanders in their fridge whipping out a bottle of champagne. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, what the hell are you doing? And he just turns around and pops the cork with his big fucking grin on his face. It's like, we were saving that. It's isn't it? Yeah, it is. (laughs) Yeah, I love his face, though. I guarantee it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So he's come along. He's um, Mr. Hammond, who obviously everyone knows. I've seen this film. And he's basically saying to them, he's come to them with a proposition that he's got a park and the lawyers are giving him a hard time and he needs experts to sign up on. But he won't actually tell them what the park is. Like Grant and Nelly are both kind of asking him questions and he's kind of a bit evasive, but he tries to just lure them in, doesn't he? Yeah, they're not really up for it either, are they? They're like, nah, we're just going to carry on digging. And then 
he gives them the money shot, doesn't he? He'll fund the dig for another three years if they come with him. And then, fuck me, the champagne corks are flowing then. Yeah, yeah, they don't uh, take long to celebrate. One thing <laughs> here, this kind of winds me up, is like, I know they, they're in the desert, so they probably haven't got much choice, but he pours the champagne into this like normal kind of beaker cups. I'm like, no, it needs to be in an actual wine glass or a champagne glass. I just really winds me up with someone pours wine or something into like, a regular glass. Oh, I'm the same. And maybe we're just a bit stuck up bread roll. But yeah, I can't drink wine from anything other than a wine glass. Like, yeah. I mean, I love wine, but no, it's got to be from a, a proper glass, isn't it? Yeah. So obviously they agree. They're like, yeah, yeah, we're going to go to this park because our dig's just been funded. So that's all good. And they're celebrating. And then we cut to <laughs> we cut to a guy pulling up in the cab, um, a guy called Dodson, I think his name is, or Dodgson, something like that. I'll have to agree there because I don't know. <laughs> And then he goes and meets this, I don't want to sound harsh, but a big fat bloke, basically, called Dennis Nedry, who sat at a table with about 20 fucking plates of food on the go. <laughs> They're in Costa Rica, aren't they? I do love Dennis Nedry. He's amazing. And like, although, I mean, he's not a massive character in the film, but I guess he does play quite an important role. He, like, there's Funko Pops and everything of him, isn't there? He sort of became a bit of a cult hero, didn't he, old Nedry? He did, and he's got like a bit of a classic line a bit later on, which uh, we'll get to. But yeah, he's kind of like... <laughs> It's kind of like the crux of this movie, isn't it? Because it's he kind of sets things in motion for like the big events that happen on the actual park when we get there. Yeah, he does. And when I watched this film again for the first time in ages, a couple of years ago, um, yeah, I obviously I remembered Dennis Nedry, but I forgot how important he is. Because if it wasn't for him, none of this would have happened as the sort of disaster part of the film starts kicking off. Yeah, it would have been a short film, really. <laughs> <laughs> this Dodson guy turns up and he gives him... Basically, Dennis is going to steal some embryos and all the research from Jurassic Park and sell it to a, a competitive company, basically. So he's got this little like shaving cream can, hasn't he? And underneath it, he sort of twists it and it comes out and you can put all the embryos in there. And that's how they're going to store them and escape. So we learn straight away that this Dennis Nedry is a bit of an underhanded tow rag, really. Every film's got one. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be an adventure movie without them. Exactly. So... There's a bit here as well when they're laughing, because this is a PG, but I swear Dennis Nedry says fuck during this bit, because um, Dodson's showing him like the canister and he's like twisting it. And Dennis does this really weird laugh that sounds like fucking piston going off. <laughs> but at one point, I swear he's laughing. He's like, oh, it's fucking great or something like that. And it's like, it just sounds like that. I don't know if it is, but I'm just thinking, well, oh. Spielberg, so he'd get away with it if it was. Yeah, I didn't notice it watching it again. I'm going to have to stick it back on and rewatch that. Um I don't know, that shaving can thing, foam can, is cool, though, in the way it, and it actually works. Shaving foam comes out of it because he's like, how are they not going to know? And then he makes him squirt the foam out of it. So it works like a normal one would. So it's a pretty cool little device, isn't it? It is, yeah. <laughs> the bit where he like sprays it on his hand and then he just puts the cream on like a pie that's nearby as if it's like <laughs> a little dollop of like whipped cream and everything. So I, I know it's obviously a movie, but when I was a kid, I thought, I wonder if anyone actually ate that. <laughs> it's been like, oh, it's fucking horrible. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> So then we're um we cut to basically approaching the island now, and this is where we get to meet Jeff Goldblum's character Malcolm, who's dressed up like Johnny Cash for some reason. He's a bit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and there's actually a book because Malcolm's a, a scientist who works with chaos theory, and there is actually a, a book published by a real life um, scientist called Ian Malcolm. And I, I should have oh. actually looked into it before I came on here because I don't know if he was actually based off that, whether it was just like a use of the name or. A representation of that real person that's just where they got the idea from but yeah that is actually a real scientist who wrote a book about chaos theory 
Interesting. Didn't know that. Another great bread roll fact there. <laughs> Full of them. <laughs> um, and this is, I always thought this bit was pretty cool because um, you kind of see straight away that Malcolm is like, he's a bit, I don't know, I'm not going to say he's a ledge, but straight away he's like talking about um, non-linear equations and stuff. And then he looks at um, Ellie Sadler and he's like, I find it hard to believe that you're not familiar with the uh, forms of attraction. Of like the first half of this movie, he's like constantly flirting with her and he's like touching her hands at every opportunity. Yeah, he is a bit. And later on, he asks old uh, Sam Neill if they're together, doesn't he? So he obviously likes her from, from the get-go. This is the one part of the film, which is really weird, when they're in the chopper and you can really see the blue screen of the sea and that out of the windows. This is probably the worst effect in the whole film, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, because you get that nice overhead shot of obviously the real helicopter flying to the island and that last real. But yeah, when they're actually sat in the cab and you've got that side shot, it does look a little bit sketchy. They obviously spent all the money on the dinosaurs, which is where they should have spent the money and not bothered with that bit too much. <laughs> and there's two bits here as well. Um, one, Malcolm does a laugh that sounds like an angry Jack Russell. Did you pick up on that bit? He's like... <laughs> no. <laughs> Something like that. It's like... <laughs> What the fuck are you doing? Is that just Jeff Goldblum having a seizure in the fucking back seat? I didn't, but it's typical Jeff Goldblum, isn't it? He? he has got some, as we said when we did the fly, he's got some quirky little sort of things he does, like his twitching, his sort of nervous laugh and that. That, yeah, I guess it's just Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum, isn't it? <laughs> and also, I don't know what the costume department were up to. Obviously, they just thought I oh, would do the easy thing because Ellie and um, Grant are wearing like the opposite colours. So Grant's got like a blue shirt on with like a red pinkish neckerchief and Ellie's got a pink shirt on with a blue vest underneath. So we're just going to reverse your colours for your character get up and that's as far as we're going to go with it. (laughs) I didn't notice that. I do like the bit where Grant shows how sort of, like you said, he's a technophobe. He's not really down with anything. He can't even do his fucking seatbelt up, can he? He's trying to to plug it in and in the end he just ties it up. (laughs) But that was quite a comical little touch. Yeah. But technically, because he's got the two end pieces and he ties it up, that means Ellie wouldn't have been able to do hers up if she was sat next to him. It's like, you're being a bit selfish there, Grant. I didn't notice that. We also get introduced to the iconic music, don't we, as they fly into the island. Oh, yeah. The the big Jurassic Park score, which, you know, everyone knows that music. Yeah, it's another John Williams special, isn't it? I'd say, for me, I mean, this this scene here, when they come across um, into the island and that music kicks, and I got a little bit of the old nostalgia vibes going. So this movie just kind of took me back to my childhood a little bit. And I just remember being sat in the cinema and that cool music. And then you see the island and you're like, yeah, going to get to see dinosaurs, woo, <laughs> shit like that. Yeah. And, but yeah, it's, um, it's a very memorable kind of opening scene. This whole sequence up to this point is quite memorable. Yeah, it's, this is the, the first sort of part of the film I remember. Obviously, I do remember old Dennis Nedry and stuff, but this is where it, really the memories start kicking in of the film and I was actually going around pretty much the rest of yesterday after I watched this bloody singing the theme tune just gets stuck in your head doesn't it <laughs> no yeah I've been whistling it <laughs> I was like <laughs> pissing my cats off yesterday because in the garden I just kept like sort of like running around after him pretending I was a dinosaur I'm like fuck no so old for this shit but I'm just gonna wind my cats up playing Jurassic Park uh, with him <laughs> does turn you into a bit of a kid this film doesn't it it does. And again, that's the magic of Spielberg, really, isn't it? Like these mm. proper, like, classic family movies that he did are timeless in a way. Family movie, but certainly with um, a little hint that it shouldn't be a family movie as we'll, we'll go through it, because there are some quite sketchy bits. Yeah, definitely. So they, they've landed, um, and now they've kind of gone on their little tour. 
and we see um Gennaro he's sort of talking to Hammond isn't he and he's like going you know he's a right little sleazy typical like suit and tie lawyer guy and he's like saying you know the board are really upset they're they're going to shut you down if no one's happy and then John's like well in 24 hours I'm going to be accepting your apology so mm. shut up basically that's another character that's always in these sort of films you get the uh the sort of infiltrator, the Nedry character, who wants to bring everything down. And you always get a fucking annoying lawyer-type legal person who wants to stop everything, don't you? Yeah. I suppose you've got to put it in there for, like, the kind of sleaze factor almost. But I swear he's when all the way through this movie, like, we've seen him in the jungle. And now, obviously, it must have been a few days or a week. We don't really know. And now he's on, obviously, Jurassic Park. And he's still in the exact same suit. Is he <laughs> doing, like, a bloody, like, a Jeff Goldblum? He's got a wardrobe just full of, like, 20 of the same outfit. Yeah, he must have. He must be doing a brundle fly. Yeah, just a, a wardrobe full of the same suits. And now we get the scene, and this was like one of those just pure, iconic, awesome, jaw-dropping moments back in the day where they kind of bring the jeeps around and there's this massive open field. And then they stop and there's like a build-up and you see people kind of looking to the left and slowly reacting one by one. Grant does his kind of, he stands up and takes his glasses off and then turns Ellie's head. And then we see the big shot of the uh it's a it's a brontosaurus isn't it i think it is i think so yeah it's one of those big um veggie saws as they're known in this film it's quite good as well because ellie's getting really excited she's seen some plants hasn't she which obviously are from the jurassic period she's getting all excited about that and old grant's now seen the dinosaur and she turns around and she's just like fuck you would be there wouldn't you i mean i know obviously it's yeah. a movie it's not going to happen but you imagine if like, you went to a place like that and you're like, shit, I'm staring at an actual real-life dinosaur. Because even Grant gets out and he's like, it's, it's a dinosaur. Like, even he goes <laughs> a bit like mumbly and like back to being a kid. But I just remember that scene, again, like watching it again. I hadn't seen this film for a while since last night. And it's just like, wow, that, that was so cool the first time you saw it. And it's still pretty badass now. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, oh, even Jeff Goldblum's impressed, isn't he, his character? Everyone's just like, fuck me, you know. Good, fair play to old Malcolm because he sort of kept it undercover what this was all about. So that initial shock when you first saw that dinosaur, I'd have probably had a heart attack. Yeah, and the only one who doesn't seem to bother or seen that fast is the driver. He's just sat there like, yeah, fuck it, seen it before. I don't think I'd <laughs> yeah. ever get over, like, if they brought dinosaurs back to life and I saw one, I don't think I would ever get tired of seeing them. Like, even if I worked with them or something, it'd just be an incredible thing to see, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. And the effects here, I think, look like you say, they stand up pretty well. It, it sort of bites the top of a tree, doesn't it, and pulls it off. And it looks really impressive, even on the shit DVD I watched of it. <laughs> One thing, it's not an issue I have here, but they're like in this massive open plane and they're driving round. And like, you can't tell me they wouldn't have spotted that fucking dinosaur. It's not inconspicuous, is it? It's fucking massive. It's like they, <laughs> I know it's all done for the shot that they spot it and then they're like taking yeah. a gas, but they they're like drive around this massive field. I'd just be like, you know, looking around, but like, oh yeah, there's a nice island. Oh fuck me, there's a 200 foot dinosaur, <laughs> wherever it's supposed to be. I'm not in that tall, but I'd be like, you know, you would see that probably before they pulled up next to it. Yeah, I did think that. And also that they then sort of pan out to like a, a lake or whatever, and there's more there. So yeah. I know exactly what you mean. You would have spotted that a long, long time before they actually did clock it, yeah. So now we they get taken to the visitor centre because Grant's kind of like, he's really overcome at this point. He's like, how did you do this? And Because um, this is where um, Hammond says, oh, we've got a T-Rex as well. And then Grant mm. like kind of falls down in disbelief. And then he's like, how did you, you do a it? a T-Rex? And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have a T-Rex. And then he's like, oh, I'll, <laughs> I'll show you how we do it. Um so they take him to the visitor centre and they have sort of a little walk round. Then they go on this weird little 
ride thing, don't they? Um, mm. They get into and then there's like this presentation and John Hammond saying, oh, this is going to be like our little intro when people come to the visitor center and there's a little video footage with Mr. DNA. And then they go on this little turntable and then they see the labs of the eggs actually being sorted. Um, so Malcolm, Ellie and Grant, they like, no, no, we want to go into the lab. And they kind of just break the ride, don't they? They just push the bloody harness up and just wander off. They do. I think that's quite good the way they did that, though, because I imagine that would be something they would have if this park was real. You kind of have that sort of thing, don't you? Like a, a ride that shows you what's going on sort of behind the scenes and that. I, I really like that bit. It's convenient, though, when they get out and they break into the um, the bit where the eggs are being, whatever, incubated. One conveniently is hatching right at that point. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd be um, old Henry Wu, don't you? Like the head, uh, I think it's like the head scientist or something. Mm. But yeah, as you say, it just happens to be one hatching just at that point in time. But Ellie here, I mean, this is like a kind of like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. There's like this little like machine hand and it's kind of like turning the eggs. And she watches <laughs> it and she goes, it's turning the eggs. Like, well, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you figured that all out by yourself, did you? <laughs> that, yeah, no, that's why she's a specialist. That did make me laugh, actually. It reminds me of um, Homer Simpson. Do you know the one with the, the nodding bird? Like the one they've got in Alien, and it's dipping into the glass of water. And Homer's like, it's drinking the water. It just reminded <laughs> me of that. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so this, well, they st- this is where they kind of start talking, isn't it? It's, um about talking about how they control the breeding population and then they scientists say well all the we've, we've denied them their hormones or something and so, so all the dinosaurs are pretty much female yeah and malcolm's taken, starting to get a bit stressy isn't he yeah they've taken one chromosome or something away haven't they that makes them male so they, they're all uh, female yeah and on that tour that shows that the dna sequence gaps were filled in by frogs which comes into things a bit later on but I thought there's quite a lot of like scene building here because as a kid, like you kind of take it in, but all you want to do is see the dinosaurs. But it's quite an intelligent kind of plot and foreshadowing, isn't there? Like they mentioned the frog DNA, um, and then Malcolm's doing his whole kind of speech about how life finds a way, which he delivers really well. I think he, again, you know, he, he almost raps when he talks, doesn't he? He's like got <laughs> such a good way of like delivering like fast paced dialogue. Yeah, he does. Um, I mean, pretty much after this, the film's relentless, isn't it? This is just the, the build. There isn't much more after this. Um, but, yeah, little bits like that. They mention the frog, which I'd forgotten about again, which comes into play a bit later on. There's also another bit quite a bit later on where there's something talked about which then comes into play right at the end, which we'll get to. So there are kind of little hints about what's going to happen. Obviously, we had the um, spiel about the Velociraptor as well a little bit earlier. So they're kind of hinting on things that are going to happen later on. Yeah, because it just so happens that the the egg that's hatching, Grant's kind of holding it, isn't he? And then he look, he turns to the camera a bit, and then he's like, "What species is this?" And then old uh, Henry Wu's like, also oh, Velociraptor, and Grant like literally looks like fucking. No, he just I don't know. It's just a weird look on his face, like he's like, "I don't believe what I've just heard." And he's like, "You've actually bred raptors, knowing how dangerous they are." Yeah, yeah, you're right. And again, the Velociraptor gets mentioned, so we know this is going to be a, a key thing in the film. So now that we've seen inside the lab itself, um, we've kind of hinted at the situation at hand. Um, Hammond takes the crew or the team to go and actually see the raptor paddock where they're being kept. And this is where they uh, meet Robert Muldoon face to face. And he's like, they're watching the raptors being fed. They're lowering like a, a cow down, aren't they, on a big harness. And yeah, Ellie's like, like, like a fucking horrible face. It's like an, an ox or something. And it's got big horns. I'm not sure if it's 
I don't know what it is. Some kind of big cowy ox type thing, anyway. Yeah, so that that poor bugger gets munched, and Grant's kind of speaking to Muldoon and sort of saying, you know, what what are they like and stuff. And he's saying, obviously, they're quite intelligent. The fences are electrified, and there's like one female in there who kind of like is a leader of the pack, and it's kind of giving a bit of foreshadowing. And then they're like, oh, the fences are electrified; they should be all right. And he's like, yes, but they never attack the same place twice. They remember. <laughs> he's just like this guy really fucking winds me up because he's not like he's made out to be like this amazing hunter, which we find out isn't true later on. But he's walking around with like fucking hot pants on. And he's got like, <laughs> like Ellie's in short shorts and stuff, and he's there, old fucking hot pants Harry, with fucking <laughs> little fucking dopey shorts on. He just just fucking bell end this guy. He just really winds me up about <laughs> like, the whole film. I couldn't remember his name all the way through the film. I had to check on uh, IMDb after I'd watched it because I've got him in my notes as Hunter Guy, so I couldn't remember his bloody name. And yeah, those shorts, yeah. he said, he doesn't look as good as old uh, Ellie in those shorts, does he? No, so it's like, almost like the costume department mixed it up. It's like they don't even come down. <laughs> and, like, put it away. Smuggling bananas, isn't it? <laughs> so then um, once they've obviously spoken to him, Hammond's like, oh, we want to take you out into the park and give you an idea of the tour that the obviously the actual visitors will be going on. And we're going to spend some time with our target audience. And then his two grandkids turn up, Lex and Tim. Now, Lex, the woman who plays, or the girl who played her at the time, is actually the same girl from Tremors, if you remember her. Like, she's a little girl on the pogo stick. Um, I can't remember much about Tremors. I remember it being a great film back in the day. Maybe we should look at doing that at one point. I did read a little thing about her earlier, and this is scary about Google, because I'd watched Jurassic Park over yesterday, and I watched the end of it just before we started recording today. And on my Google News feed, there was bloody things about the child actors in Jurassic Park. And I'm like, how do you know that? How do you know I've watched Jurassic Park? Um, yeah, she's, um, she's, I think she's 41 now. I think she was 12 and turned 13 while they were filming this and she's still very proud of obviously the the appearance she made in this and you would be wouldn't you it's a fucking classic film yeah i mean she didn't do much acting i think she's like an artist or something like that mm. these days um for last i read and the guy who plays tim i remember he was in a film he was also in a film with kevin bacon believe it or not called the river wild but uh the only other <laughs> thing i saw him in was the pacific which was like the follow-on kind of from band of brothers and he played a character who had a nickname sledgehammer in that but other than that i didn't i've never really seen him in much over the years oh right yeah i remember the pacific that was quite good um yeah i think he was in this thing that i read as well sort of skimming through i didn't read it all and i think they possibly both still maybe not go to conventions sort of jurassic park conventions but i think they're still involved in some of the fan sites and that they still pop up on there so they've still got links to jurassic park now sort of 28 years later yeah fair play i mean like even if this is your only movie it's like one of the biggest of all time so you'd, you'd yeah. ride that wouldn't you for the rest of your life if you could yeah yeah definitely not a bad one to be in is it the thing that makes me laugh here is if you know grant doesn't like kids and they run up and hug their granddad nearly knocking down on the stairs i'm thinking this guy's an old man and he's on a walking stick and you just fucking like giving him an <laughs> nhl an nfl tackle and fucking knocked him down on the stairs but grant looks at him like they just shit in his scrambled eggs don't they he's just like staring at them like oh my god there's children here <laughs> yeah he's not happy at all obviously that changes throughout the course of the film um i like the way as well when they get into the um the automated jeeps or cars they're in um the girl lex and then she gets really excited that it's got a touchscreen in there you know 28 years ago touchscreens were like unheard of weren't they now look at everything's a fucking touchscreen yeah 
yeah, because there is some sort of technology or like things mentioned. It, it kind of hints as well here that she's good with computers, isn't she? Like she's a little mm. bit of a hacker and a bit of a kind of like a techie geek as such. And then Tim's just following Grant around because he's like a big dinosaur geek and he's read Grant's book. And I love the scene where he's following Grant and Grant opens the door. Tim gets in and he just slams it shut on him. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's probably sort of trying to impress him by saying about his book and everything. And Grant's just not interested at all, is he? <laughs> just like getting in and out of cars, but it's all played <laughs> out really well. Yeah. But then we get, um, for the longest time, I always forgot that Sam Jackson was in this movie. Obviously, in yeah. recent years, I always remember him being in it. But growing up and all the times I watched it, I was just never actually clocked that it was actually Sam Jackson. But we actually get shown his character now. They're in like the control room setting up the tour that they're about to go on. And they hint that there's a storm in the area, isn't it? They don't know if it's coming to the island or not yet, but they're just sort of saying, oh, there's a storm on the horizon. We'll keep an eye on it. Then we'll set them on their tour. But yeah, it's quite a big, uh, big name cast, really. It is. And you, I'm the same. I'd totally forgotten he was in it. He looks like, he, obviously it was 28 years ago. He looks a lot younger because he's pretty much looked the same now for about the last 15 years, hasn't he? But this is like yeah. um, a young Sam Jackson and he's always got a cigarette. No matter what scene he's in, he's got a fucking cigarette either hanging out of his mouth or in his hand, doesn't he? Yeah, I was going to say that about the cigarette. Because um, he's not in it loads, really. Um, I mean, he was a big actor back then, obviously not as big as he is now. Um, but yeah, he's literally always smoking. And it's always like burnt down right to the, like, almost like the tip <laughs> base, isn't it? It's like he's just about finishing it off, but it's got this huge, like, singed ash just hanging out of his fucking cigarette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get um, we get Dennis Nedry again now, don't we? He's in the room with Sam Jackson. So we uh, we get to see what he's up to now. Yeah, so he sort of sat there and... I think this is the scene here where Hammond has a bit of a kind of a chat of him, doesn't he? And he's like saying, um, our lives are in your hands and you've got butterfingers and stuff. And Dennis is just like giving him loads of bullshit, basically, isn't he? Like saying, oh, I can't debug all these programs, new this, that and the other. You don't pay me enough. And it's just a bit of a squabble between those two. Yeah, he's, he's also got the, um, the can of shaving foam on his desk. And obviously he runs off of it in a minute. But I've always thought, why doesn't someone ask him, why Why have you got shaving foam on your desk? What are you doing? You're going to, like, you know, have a shave while you're working? It's a bit weird. Yeah, because he's already fucking clean shaven, although his desk is a pigsty. <laughs> I'm surprised anyone can bloody see it. They probably think it's a can of fizzy drink. Yeah, right. That's probably right. He's probably just trying to detract away from the fact he had it there. <laughs> so then they go off on the tour. And I always thought the design of these Jeeps was really cool, that kind of like green jungly effect. They were quite, um, like all the toys that you used to see in the shops and everything. I was always like, oh, I really want to have one of those Jeeps. It looks really badass. Yeah, 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 totally. Very iconic. And then Malcolm's just like, oh, God, help us. We're in the hands of engineers. He's so fucking cynical in this film. Yeah, he is. But, that, you know, that's Jeff Goldblum. He sort of plays those characters, doesn't he, quite well. He's always kind of a cynical character in his films. Yeah, and then we get that um, that classic shot now. So they're going into the, the park to go on the tour, and then we see that big gate, don't we? Um, that yeah. sort of like opens up, and he's like, oh, well, they've got in there, King Kong. Yeah. It's like, dude, you know they've got dinosaurs, man. They ain't the smallest things in the world. Yeah, that's true. We um, we get a sad bit coming up as well, don't we? We um, we, we see a goat. We know what's going to happen to that goat. Yeah, yeah, because they pass the Dilophosaurus, um, or Dilophosaurus, I don't know how you pronounce it properly and they don't get to see that one 
then they come to the tyrannosaur paddock and then they're like, oh, we'll try and lure him out for you. So they bring a goat up. And I was thinking, man, as a, as a fellow goat, I felt a bit offended by that scene. <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was very upset. You know, obviously, the poor, the poor goat's obviously bleating away and he gets down on its front knees, doesn't it, or whatever they do. And it's looking a bit sad. And even old Lex is a bit upset. She comes out as a vegetarian now. She's, you know, doesn't like the fact that this T-Rex is going to eat this goat. And I'm with her. Poor fucking goat. Yeah. And there's a bit here that always makes me laugh because um, they're sort of waiting around for a bit. They haven't seen any dinosaurs yet. And then Malcolm leans into the camera, doesn't he? And he's like, now, do you do actually have dinosaurs on your tour? And he starts knocking on the camera. And we <laughs> cut to John Hammond, who's like kind of watching them on the security. And he's just like, I really hate that, man. Yeah, that's quite a good little bit that we also get the fact that Grant isn't impressed that they're feeding this um, T-Rex a goat and just obviously putting it there for his lunch. He's like, the T-Rex is a hunter. It doesn't want to be fed. It wants to hunt its prey. Yeah, yeah, which is, I've always had a, I don't know about, because um, obviously I, I've got nothing against scientists or anything there. Obviously, they make the, the hypotheses and stuff. It's like, how would you know a T Rex doesn't like the hunt? You know, it's yeah. like they're billions and billions of years old, that, you know, and everyone's like, yo, they would have looked like this, they would have looked like that. Yeah, you've got the bone structure. But how would you know they would have been like a leathery green color? They might have been fluorescent pink for all you know. <laughs> the world was a very different place back then. But they make all these like, things like, yeah, we assume it would be a hunter because of this. So it's like, well, it might have been lazy cats are hunters until you get a pet one and then they just sit on their ass until you feed them so maybe it's the same you'd be like oh a bit of go i'll be over in a minute yeah well even like lions you know they're predators and they're apex predators but they're still fucking lazy they lie around all day and the blokes send the women out to hunt don't they the, the male lions just fucking lays about get the women to do all the work so <laughs> yeah. you know t-rexes could have well been the same <laughs> So now that um, the, the T-Rex hasn't like turned up, so then they kind of move on again. Uh, we keep kind of getting shots between the tour and Nedry because they're worried that the um, the storm's going to come in and Nedry's kind of farting about and sort of setting his, his plan in motion, as it were. And then Malcolm is doing some kind of flirting with Ellie, but also trying to explain chaos theory at the same time. <laughs> and Grant just jumps out the fucking Jeep and legs it. So they, they follow him and then they find a sick Triceratops, I think it is. Yeah, and they all just yeah. have a sort of moment. This is the first dinosaur they've seen. It happens to be a sick one, but it's still a pretty sweet scene, the way they all kind of like take a moment. And Grant does that kind of, he like lays on it and listens to his heartbeat and stuff. Yeah, and again, it looks really, really good. I'm assuming they would have used animatronics for this, wouldn't they? Because they're right up close. It's not CGI, is it? It's actually a physical thing. Yeah, yeah, it must have been. Because when he's led on it, like you can see he's like putting all his weight on there. So yeah, that must have been a big... um big animatronic but there's a problem with this bit here there's a problem running through this because one of Hammond's quotes is we spared no expense and he fucking did because everyone he's hired is a dick Muldoon's <laughs> used to <laughs> Nedry's a fucking scheming bastard and then this bloody doctor I can't remember his name doctor something or other that's with this triceratops he's like oh yeah yeah um, she's sick we don't know what's happening um, there's plants nearby but we know they don't eat them Ellie comes along and within like 30 seconds, she's diagnosed him. She's like, look, the eyes are dilated. And the doctor's like, oh, yeah, so they are. It's like, what fucking kind of, <laughs> you know, there's these plants here. You're saying they don't eat them. She's just shown you that they do. because She's got the thing on its tongue and it's got dilated eyes. So all these people that Hammond hire are fucking useless. They are. And you've got Sam Jackson who just smokes a lot. So... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. She also, um, she puts her hand in a big pile of dinosaur shit, doesn't she, <laughs> to sort of help diagnose what's wrong with it. 
yeah, luckily she's got gloves on. But I do like that line from Malcolm. There's like a pile of crap about as high as him. And he's just like, <laughs> that's one big pile of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic line. <laughs> so then um, the lightning strike hits. And then we're sort of still cutting between, obviously, our, our sort of team out in the park and then the control room. And Muldoon's on the blower to someone. He's like, you know, the storm hasn't changed. We're going to have to cut the uh, tour short and pick it up tomorrow. And then uh, the lightning's going off and Gennaro's there going, oh, we must, we should get back in the cars and head back. So Ellie says she wants to stay with the doctor and the Triceratops and they'll meet back at the visitor centre. And the others all jump in the trucks and start heading back just as the weather kind of turns on them. Yeah, and now we get old Dennis Nedry. He's acting really sketchy now. He's like, I'm just going to go and get a drink. Does anyone want one? And he's all fucking flustered and... Like, just being a dick, isn't he? And he? He runs off of his can of shaving foam. Again, no one questions why he's got it. Yeah, exactly. He's like, he's like I'm going to go and get myself a, a drink. And he picks up some fucking shaving cream and runs off. He's already <laughs> clean shaven. But like you say, he's sweating like a pig. He looks so fucking nervous. I mean, the others are like, I just can't bother to fucking listen to you. So they're probably not paying attention. But it's like, this guy looks sketchy as fuck. Yeah, they're not really paying attention. Obviously, they're more worried that the storm's coming in and stuff. But, yeah, you would probably think, what's wrong with him? He's definitely acting a bit weird. But, um, yeah, there we go. There's a bit just before that as well. This is one of the couple of mistakes I've picked up in this movie. One of the mistakes is fucking huge, and I'll get to that when we get to get there. But he's on the phone, and he's talking to his guy down at the docks because he's supposed to obviously get down there with the embryos and hand them to the geezer to take them away. Mm. I think the guy he's talking to is actually Spielberg, like doing a little cameo there as the guy on the docks. But it's supposed to be a live video call, which probably didn't exist back then. But you can actually see he's got a really old school, like Windows Media Player box up. And you can actually see the bar of the video going along at the bottom. So, you know, it's just like a pre-recorded video that they've got up on his screen. I didn't notice that. That's a good shout. Yeah, I definitely didn't notice that. And the other bit that makes me laugh is when he like he wanders off and he's like going into the um I don't know what it is like the lab to get the embryos. He's doing like this fucking solid snake impression, isn't he? He's like sneaking past these fucking cameras and like <laughs> trying to like hug the wall and everything. It's just like you're not the best fucking super spy I've ever seen, really. No, he's a big lad, isn't he? And another thing, <laughs> when he starts getting the embryos out, and I know this shaving foam is obviously made for the for the purpose, but. It's very convenient how they perfectly fit in there, isn't it? It's like, you know, obviously, like I say, they've made this to do the job to get the embryos out, but surely they wouldn't have known exactly what sort of test tubes or whatever they would have been in, and they just fit in there absolutely perfectly, like made to measure, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. That's a, that's a really good shout, actually. I didn't think of that. But, yeah, can, considering it's a rival company, and like you said, they wouldn't know the measurements or the exact storage <laughs> parameters, would you? Yeah, that's, that's bloody good, actually. <laughs> So now where we get a shot inside the like the Jeeps and they're coming back, and this is the bit you mentioned earlier, JT, where Malcolm's sort of like talking to Grant and Grant's kind of like, have you got any kids? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I've got like three kids and about fucking a thousand ex-wives or something. And then straight off the back of that, he's then asking if Ellie's available. And Grant obviously he's like, no, no, she's she's with me. Um, and I'm just thinking, it's like you just said, like you go through wives, like most people go through clean underwear. Now you're asking if his, <laughs> if his, his friend is single. He's like, he's not going to put you with her, is he? Yeah, he says something about, I'm always looking for the next ex-Mrs. Malcolm or something, doesn't he? Implying yeah. <laughs> that he's a bit of a womanizer and he doesn't stay with them long. And he, he offers um, Grant a drink. He's got a hip flask, hasn't he? So he, he's having a bit bit of a drink, which, to be fair, I think I fucking would in this situation. But, yeah, he's um, he offers him a drink and Grant's like, no, I'm not interested. 
But yeah, he's he's been a bit sleazy, isn't he? Sort of trying to get some info on Ellie. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I really like the Malcolm character and stuff. But mm. yeah, he just seems like a little bit of a, like you say, a bit of a player as well, isn't he? Like you're here, you're seeing dinosaurs, this amazing thing, and all you're thinking about is getting your fucking end away. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, what can I say? I mean, as as I've said, Ellie is quite attractive in this film, but I think my mind would be more on the fucking dinosaurs, to be honest. <laughs> so then um, Grant and his typical technophobe thing, like the trucks, the TV screen goes off, you kind of see it and they don't notice, and then the truck actually stops altogether. And he's like, oh, shit, what did I touch? And I was like, well, I don't think it was anything. I think we just stopped. And then we cut back to the control room, because um, before Nedry goes on his solid snaking thing, he says he's just set a, um, a an update program going, so a couple of the minor systems might go on and off. But now they're seeing on the screen that like the fucking security cameras, um, the fences are all failing all over the place, aren't they? And they're like starting yeah. to panic a little bit. Yeah, yeah, the panic is setting in a bit. <laughs> we cut back to Nedry now. He's managed to get outside um, and he's in his Jeep. Um, it makes me wonder how he got outside. You don't actually see him get there, do you? Once he's putting the embryos in, then he's outside. So already some, someone would have noticed him. I don't know to know where he had to go to get outside. Well, it kind of makes you wonder because obviously the dinosaurs get loose and stuff. It's like they don't seem to have many people on this island, do they? No. Like when you actually you break it down, it's unlike the last the storm's coming. So obviously he's got to get to the boat because all the crew are probably going back to the mainland for like the weekend or something. But they don't seem to have a lot in the way of engineers considering everything that's going on. You'd think you'd have a fairly elaborate crew of people just to watch over things. They just leave like 10 people in charge. One of them happens to be Nedry. So, yeah, there's no security guys, no one in the garage to stop him or notice him. No, that's a good shout, actually. I didn't really think of that. But, yeah, it's very sparse um, employees. He spared no expense. Again, yeah, he fucking did. You didn't employ anyone. And everyone you did was an idiot. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's a really good shout, actually. There is literally no one there, is there? There's, like, just the, the guys in the control rooms. You've got Sam Jackson smoking himself to death. Dennis Nedry and his dodgy shaving foam. Fucking, and then just the guys that are on the island, and obviously old um, Hammond, and that's it. And obviously yeah. Mel Doom. <laughs> yeah, well, fucking yeah, with his fucking <laughs> hot pants on. <laughs> Mel Doom's like the the man who's, he's like, is he in charge of all these dinosaurs? Just him. <laughs> yeah, because there's a bit where like they're all the fences are going, and they're like, find Nedry, check the vending machines. And then he comes over like he's a bit of an overactor. This Mel Doom, he's like, the raptor fences aren't out, are they? So Sam Jackson kind of <laughs> runs over and checks. He's like, no, no, they're, they're okay. And then Hammond just turns around and goes, why would he turn the other ones off? <laughs> this really little, like, whispery voice. Um, which is a good point. because like, why would Nedry actually want to turn all the fucking... Like, he knows there's dinosaurs here. It's not like he's in the, the dark about anything. You know, for his own safety, why would he turn all the fucking fences off? Yeah, yeah, good shout. I mean, it cuts back to him and he, he crashes the Jeep and he, he knocks the bloody sign over with the arrow on it of how the sort of exit signs. He doesn't even know how to get out, does he? He sort of spins it round and thinks, fuck it, and just makes a guess of what way to go. Yeah, because I swear like they say the boat's leaving in like 10 minutes. Mm. So he's got like his whatever, he's got a countdown on his watch to get from his desk, get the embryos, get in the truck, get down to the docks, basically. And I swear just even in movie time, but going to in all the scenes, it's about 15 minutes and he's still fucking driving, isn't he? Like, <laughs> he's obviously not going to bloody make it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we cut back to old Sam Jackson now, and this is one of the bits where he's got his cigarettes right down to the fucking butt, isn't it? There's, like, nothing left on it, and he's still trying to smoke away at it, and he's trying to work out what old uh, Nedry's plan is on his computer, and that's when we get the old uh, classic Nedry, don't we? 
Yeah, we do. We get the ah ah ah. You didn't say the magic word. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I fucking love that. And I swear when that came out, like everyone at school was just constantly doing that all the time. If a teacher was like annoying us, we'd just be like, ah, 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 you didn't say the magic word. And it's even now like everywhere. You can see it in fucking gifs and memes all over the place. Yeah, it's one of those things and everyone sort of knows it. And it has been made into so many different memes and that. And again, I'd forgotten about that until I watched it a couple of years ago. And I was like, fucking hell, I remember that. It's just classic. Yeah, really good. So now they've kind of figured out that Nedry's fucked them over, basically, and they're panicking. They don't know what to do. And then we're back in um, the trucks with old... Um, actually, I don't know. Does Nedry croak it before or after this bit? Before it's the T-Rex bit? Yeah. It's after this, yeah. So we're back in the trucks, and Malcolm and Grant are just sat there looking fucking bored shitless. And then they notice um, it's the water, isn't it? It starts to kind in of like glass. do that weird ripple thing. This yeah. obviously shows that's a heavy footprint or a footstep approaching. And then Lex, we see her in her car and she looks over and she's like, oh, where's the goat? And then suddenly this fucking leg just hits the fucking top of the car, doesn't it? Because it's a glass top car and we see this bloody goat leg and then they look up and the T-Rex is there having a good old munch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this bit always made me laugh, even back then when I first saw it. So fucking, what's his name? The lawyer guy just runs off to the fucking outside toilet. What's that going to do? Yes, exactly. <laughs> jumps out of the fucking car and makes a beeline for this little fucking wooden hut with a bog in it. I'm like, that's not going to save you, is it? Against a T Rex, yeah, they're all staying in the car, surely. <laughs> well, well, maybe not in this case, but yeah, overall, you probably yeah. would just be like, no, I'm just going to stay put because they see the T Rex eating his goat. Then in that was its hand, it's, even though it's got like little stubby hands that are useless, it's kind of holding on to the, the fence. So obviously, indicates that they're not electrified anymore. And this is probably. I mean, this is the big sequence, wasn't it, of the movie? Like you yeah. saw it in bits of it in the trailer, and there's like some iconic shots here. But T-Rex starts like pulling down all the fucking fence and shit, and coming out onto the road. And it's just such a really badass sequence. I'm not going to go through it frame by frame because I can't do. We wouldn't be able to do it justice. But no. the T-Rex kind of like is doing its thing. It escapes, as you say. Old Gennaro's run off to the shitter. Um, <laughs> And Grant sort of emphasizes again, he has said it a couple of times in the movie, but now he's saying to Malcolm, don't move because it's visions based on movement. If we sit still, we'll be okay. So they're kind of all sat there frozen. And then we see Lex, she finds like like a big flashlight, although the torch is bigger than my fucking TV. This thing's massive. Yeah, it's a big old thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So she obviously turns that on because she's trying to figure out what's going on because um, they're obviously scared. Just two kids left in the car, which alerts the T Rex to their presence, and he starts attacking their truck. So now Malcolm and Grant kind of want to save the day. So Grant lights a flare, gets the T-Rex's attention to throw it. T-Rex starts chasing it, but then Malcolm jumps out and tries to do the same thing as well, doesn't he? But obviously doesn't quite. Yeah. he's not as successful because he starts running. Yeah, there's one bit, though, that the T-Rex is having a right go at the car and stuff, and it, it sort of headbutts the glass roof down, and it comes down in one piece. And it's on top of the kids, and they're sort of holding it while the T Rex is proper going for it. That would never protect them, would it? Nah, fuck that T Rex. How, how strong is it? <laughs> I don't know what type of glass that is, but fuck me, it must be bloody strong. Another thing about this is just how iconic that roar that the T Rex does is. Yeah. Like, again, that's just one movie sound effect. I know it's been used in other movies and obviously manipulated in different sound effects, but that is just such an iconic roar that that fucking thing does. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So the T-Rex obviously is having to go at the car until they distract it with the flares. 
And then it, it just runs up and eats the fucking dude on the bog, doesn't it? It just fucking... It, it's quite funny the way the um, the wooden sort of little hut around him just falls away. And he's just sat there. And he's actually got his fucking trousers down, hasn't he? I was like, he's actually taking a shit like you would in this situation. It's like, what are you doing? And then it just fucking eats him. Yeah, because it's sort of chasing Malcolm, isn't it? Like Malcolm, he's bless him, he's trying to be a hero and help the kids, isn't he? But obviously mm. he's not quite as privy to Grant as to what to actually do. And he gets like booted out of the way. And I say the hut falls apart and Gennaro's there with his fucking cacks down. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> mate, it's, it's, it's a, I love the way they shoot it just for comedy value. And T-Rex kind of looks at him as to be like, what the fuck are you doing? And then just eats him. Well, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? As if you'd actually go and have a shit. By all means, hide in the, in the toilet, which was a bad idea in the first place. But don't fucking get your cacks down and start having a shit as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's got one of the best lines, though, isn't it? When Gennaro like, first legs it, Grant's like, where does he think he's going? And Malcolm's like, when you gotta go, you gotta go. Yeah, yeah, that is quite good, actually. <laughs> so, like, Malcolm's now out of commission because he's been fucking eyed by, by a T-Rex and Gennaro's been munched. Um, so Grant's there and he's trying to pull Lex and Tim out of the car, which has now been flipped over and Tim's stuck inside, but he gets Lex out. I swear, this scream that Lex does is amazing. It's so fucking, like, authentically... It's like she just woke up and found Prince Andrew in her bedroom. She fucking <laughs> roars this fucking scream out. And then Grant turns around and like he's like, don't move, don't move. And then we get this really iconic shot, don't we, of like the T-Rex's foot coming down right in front of them. And yeah. that was just something that was always in all the posters. Yeah, yeah, you're right, actually. Yeah, and it's sort of... Um, the T-Rex is spinning the car around and they're, they're magically uh, somehow managing to stay behind it, aren't they, as he's sort of spinning it around. Yeah, and again, I, I like the um the way they do this because like, you ever play with like you know a dog or a cat and that, and it was like nudge stuff with their nose, like mm. more curiosity more than anything else. And the T Rex isn't really attacking them because I don't think it can see them at this point, but it can see that there's a big object and it's just kind of investigating. So they're like you say, they're trying to just stay behind it out of harm's way. But poor fucking Tim inside, he's having a bit of a rough <laughs> ride, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's not having the best of times, is he? He'd be getting fucking dizzy. He's got a T Rex attacking him, or sort of trying to attack him yeah he's not having a great day at all now this bit again is another good sequence but this is also that massive movie mistake that is so obvious and it really annoys me that it's actually in there because surely someone would have like looked at this and thought hang on that shouldn't be there because the t-rex starts like nudging this car and pushing it into his paddock so it kind of pushes grant and lex over as so they grab a cable and they're like going down this wall and the car's about to fall down the problem is Five minutes ago, the T-Rex just stepped out onto the road from there, and now there's a 200-foot drop. In like, there's literally <laughs> the same scene. So it's like, when you actually look at it, they're going down this wall that's about literally 200 feet. The yeah. trees don't even come to the top of it. Yet just now, the T-Rex was stood there and stepped out. So now, where's the ground gone? In the space of five minutes, like 200 foot of fucking ground has just vanished. That's a really good shout, yeah. That, that's... <laughs> I didn't even think of that. It, this reminded me a bit of... Um the old PS3, 4 game, Uncharted, because they're sort of hanging on a rope, aren't they, on this sort of, like, wall, and then they swing to another rope as the car drops down. It just reminded me of a, a sort of scene from one of the Uncharted games. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, this movie probably has so many influence ac across the way. As we know, mm. like Uncharted pretty much just takes influence from every action movie ever made, I think, really, as the series goes on. Yeah, I mean, the, the car drops with Tim in it still, and it just misses them. Um, it, it looked looked a bit dodgy on the... It might have just been the grainy DVD I was watching. It almost looked like 
they they messed up a bit with the CGI and it went past because it actually looked like it hit either Sam Neil or the, or Lex, but I'm not sure if it did or not. It might have been the quality I was watching, whether they just slightly missed the CGI a little bit. Well, it's a bit of a um, like it's well shot and quite tense because he's like they're right underneath it, so he's trying to swing left and right, isn't he? So he can mm. try and get like some sway to avoid it. And he yeah. gets to like the right or swings to the right just as it comes down. So yeah, like almost looks like it brushes his leg or something. But I think the way it's shot, like especially from the bottom up, so you're kind of seeing the depth of height that they're dealing with. It's a really good shot. It just annoys me about the whole fact that one minute there was like ground there and now there's not. Yeah, you're right. And I, I didn't think of that. Although there's another bit a bit later on where I did pick up on something very similar, which we'll get to. So it's the same sort of thing. So, yeah, poor Tim. And not being funny, I know Tim survives, but that truck, when you think about it, has been half squashed. It doesn't have a roof. He was, the, it was upside down. So he was on the ground. So if the truck had been moved, he would have still been on the ground and it would have gone over him. Yeah, he's mm. been like now just thrown about 200 foot down into a tree and he's find him still alive in a minute. It's like, that's, that's a stretch, isn't it? Like, he would not have yeah. fucking survived that, surely. <laughs> he survived something else a little bit later on, which is a stretch as well. He, this guy's got nine <laughs> lives, hasn't he? <laughs> he has, yeah, he's doing all right for himself. You'd have to do all right for yourself on this fucking island. <laughs> yeah, you would. And speaking of that, someone else who's not doing all right for himself is old Dennis because now he has totally fucking crashed. Um, and he's not having a good time at all. So he kind of slips down this little waterfall and then he meets what looks at first to be kind of quite a cute little dinosaur. Though. It's still got some pretty sharp teeth, so I, I wouldn't really be too confident with it. I don't know about yourself. No, you're right, because this actually reminds me of a dog I used to have called Sophie, and she was like a kind of spaniel cross. And the way it moves and bobs its head, it does just look like a, like quite small, doesn't it? And kind of friendly, despite the fact that it's got like fucking razor teeth sticking out of his bloody lips but yeah you don't quite think oh it's kind of following him and it's curious and you're like oh yeah he's gonna be all right and then it just goes fucking flappy big fucking thing starts swinging <laughs> around his neck turns into like a fucking cocktail umbrella and starts like <laughs> fucking spitting shit at him and he doesn't last a lot longer really it's like tar or something it spits on him isn't it he's he's sort of He's almost mugging it off. He's like trying to play fetch with it. He gets a stick, doesn't he? And he's like, go on, boy, fetch and stuff. And then he goes, ah, you're fucking stupid. No wonder you're all extinct. And then it just fucking kicks off. And it's like, say, this hood thing comes out of its neck. And it just spits tar and shit all over him. So he, he sort of scrambles back to his Jeep, drops the fucking shaving foam. So now that's his $2 million gone or whatever he's going to get for it. And then it just sort of follows him and just attacks him in the car and kills him, doesn't it? Yeah, and again, that's a little bit of like, because one minute it's like down behind him, mm. and then suddenly it's in the car with him. Like, the door's not even open behind it, I don't think. So, like, he gets in thinking he's all right, and then it's just there going off and kills him. Yeah, yeah you're right. It made His me whole... wonder. Like, maybe it was even a, uh, another one, because he sort of scrambles up this sort of waterfall type bit to get back to the car. And as you say, there is a dinosaur in the car with him. So maybe it was another one. I don't know. It's a bit weird. But anyway, he, co- he cops it anyway. Yeah, and again, it kind of just shows that his whole plan is fucking for nothing, isn't it? Because one, he's obviously not going to get there in time, so he's missed the boat. Um, and then also, like you say, he headbutts the car, falls over, and then he drops the shaving foam. So even if by some miracle he had got to the boat, he wouldn't have had his buddy, his asset anyway, would he? So he's just no. a fucking, it's just <laughs> a plan that's just doomed to failure, isn't it? A bit like Jurassic Park in general. Yeah, I think at that point, you know, $2 million and everything's nice, and that was his plan, but I think survival would be your main thing. 
you're being attacked by this fucking crazy dinosaur spitting something on you. I think I'd just be thinking, fuck the money, let's just get out of here alive now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's again, it's a really well shot sequence though, because I like the bit because he um when he gets like the cable, like the tow cable from the truck, and he's trying to wrap it around the tree. You kind of see the feet of the dinosaur drop down from out of the tree and then run off, don't you? And so it's kind of a mm. bit, a bit spooky, and you're kind of, oh, what's it, what is this thing? And then when you see it, like you say, it's like a cutesy little dinosaur. Then it turns into like some fucking flappy psycho. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So old, old Dennis now he he's a goner. So his plan failed. You know. So we get um back to old uh, Grant now and Lex and Tim's still in the fucking car in the tree, isn't he? This old. Uh, Grant decides he's going to climb up the tree and try and get him out. So he's kind of obviously you wouldn't leave the kid up there like him or not, but he's he's starting to come around now to the fact these kids are all right, isn't he? Yeah, and I think he's just obviously it's partially that, and I think he's just like I can't just leave them. You know, you wouldn't, would you? Like yeah, after everything no, that's just not. happened, it's like you know he's he's the only as far as he knows at this point they're the only ones. Well, him and Lex the only ones who are alive that he knows of, and he has to check on Tim. Um, so he climbs this fucking ginormous tree. And he finds Tim and like, coaxes him out. And somehow Tim's alive. And he's not actually that banged up, considering what he's just not been really. through. He's still, you'd have no. a broken bone or two, at least, wouldn't you? Of course you would. He, I mean, all he does, he goes, I threw up. <laughs> That's kind of what he says. It's like, really? You, you, like you say, you probably have a, a few broken bones going on there. Because, you know, you've been attacked by a T-Rex. That car's been battered about. You've fallen down, God knows how high a cliff sort of thing, into a tree. And you're still pretty coherent. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, yeah, I'd have lost control of all my faculties, and that's before the <laughs> fucking anything bad happens. But yeah, yeah, he um he gets Tim out of the car, and then the branches start to snap. So they have like this little like race down the tree as the car's falling on him. I remember having the Sega Mega Drive game, and this level was fucking rock hard because you had to keep <laughs> I'm shit platforming games and just jumping from ledge to ledge is far beyond my skills. But yeah, you had to jump ledge to ledge as this fucking jeep was coming down the tree after you, but. Again, this is another quite fast-paced sequence because in quick succession, we've had the, the T-Rex escape, Nedry's croaked it, and now we've got this tree sequence. So it's pretty relentless, isn't it? For like this kind of 25 minutes of the movie or wherever it is. Yeah, it is. And like I said, it's pretty full-on now. This film doesn't really let up. From the minute we get the T-Rex sort of breaking out, there's not really much of a let-up now. It's pretty fast-paced all the way to the end, isn't it? Yeah, because we saw we see briefly just before this, um, they're in the control room and um, old Hammond he asked Muldoon, don't he, to take a gas jeep and see if he can find his grandchildren for him and like bring them back. And Ellie decides to go, so they're kind of on their way, I suppose, to try and save the day if they can. Yeah. Um, but now Grant's got Lex and Tim, and they're just like, well, we just got to fucking get out of here and try and get back to the visitor center. So they just go running off into the paddock really because they can't get out because of the massive wall that magically appeared so they're <laughs> obviously just trying to find their way back so now we've kind of got these little pockets of survivors haven't we yeah yeah we've got um ellie and uh muldoon they find old um jeff goldblum his name in the film escapes me for the second they find him sort of on the ground half unconscious don't they almost yeah where he got like Ed butted by the um the T Rex before Gennaro croaked it, so they kind of put a tourniquet on him and stick him in the jeep. And then Ellie spots the other truck that's been thrown into the paddocks. They run down, and although no this one's is... there, they spot spot the footsteps, don't they? Yeah, this is the bit that got me. So you said about the fact that that obviously that wall suddenly appeared, the two hundred foot drop. This is the bit that got me. So one minute old Ellie's up the top there with Jeff Goldblum. Next thing she's down, she's found the upside down car, but. 
Isn't that the car that's just fallen down the tree, or am I mistaken here? Yeah, that's the one that fell down the tree. So yeah. what, how the fuck how did they get she into get that paddock there? so quick? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did she get there so quick? Yeah, so yeah, we both kind of spotted it, but at different points. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's just, it's just such a silly thing. But when you think about it, it's like, how did that pass kind of like continuity when they yeah. were like planning the script in the sequence? Twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then once they've obviously magically floated down into the paddock, then they get back up again pretty hasty yeah. in a minute because Malcolm's in the back of the Jeep and he's just kind of a bit dazed. Then we get the old classic, um, the ripples in the water again, don't we, with a cup of yeah. water. And he's like, oh, man, do you hear that? That's an impact tremor. I'm fairly alarmed here. And then he starts panicking and calling them back and they magically just reappear, yeah. get into the Jeep, and then they get that kind of chase sequence, which, again, has a pretty famous shot. It's that one where Muldoon looks into the mirror and you see like the T-Rex's face coming towards him about to sort of like snap off the side of his jeep but there's another kind of fast-paced kind of chase sequence yeah it's pretty intense that chase it's a lot shorter than i remember it being it's only what probably a minute long if that because it's one of the scenes that i really remember from the film but it's a really short but intense little chase scene isn't it it is and again it's one of those things like lex earlier when her scream was really like kind of genuine like um old ellie here her scream is like obviously malcolm's like trying to pull himself as far away as he can like <laughs> into the front of the jeep he's freaking out and he's obviously injured but her scream as well is like a proper like blast of like just terror basically it's not one of those kind of hollywood screams it's quite genuine yeah it is maybe they showed her a spider or something before she uh, she let it go because <laughs> it's definitely a genuine scream yeah so they they narrowly escape the t-rex who just kind of gives up because old Muldoon manages to just about stay ahead of it really um, and then we see Grant and the kids climbing a tree now because they're knackered, but they're like, oh, we'll, we'll get off the ground because it's probably a bit safer. And they're sort of sat up this tree, and then in the distance, they see the um, the Brachiosauruses, I think they're called. And Yeah, they are. Yeah. Grant, Grant tries to make like their noise, but it just sounds like he's playing a fucking didgeridoo with his lips. <laughs> yeah, one thing as well here, it's like, um, fair enough, they're herbivores or whatever, but I don't think I'd still want to call them over, would you? You don't know. I mean, we, we can only speculate about these dinosaurs. As you said, they were millions of years ago. We don't know much about them. So I'd still be wanting to keep my distance, I think. Yeah, and like not being funny, like you say, they're fucking massive. What have, You know, they're leaning in to eat some, obviously we see in a minute, like they lean in to eat some leaves and a branch. What if they bit you by mistake? I mean, even yeah. if they don't want to eat you, they probably still take your leg or your arm off. Yeah, exactly. I mean... A little bit later on in this sort of same sequence, but um, Grant says, oh, they're like big cows. But, you know, I've been in a field of fucking cows. And when those things start running at you, they're bloody dangerous. Yeah, exactly. And these things are like fucking ginormous. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good shout there. And then um, I say they they wake up and then the Brachiosaurus is close by. So they start feeding it leaves and fucking poor Lex gets sneezed on and completely covered in fucking snot. Yeah, that's um, that's gross. And I mean... Yeah, I don't know what dinosaur snot's like, but I can't imagine it's pleasant. So um, <laughs> Grant has a little bit of a bonding session with the kids up the tree, doesn't he? He's sort of he's warming to them now. Not just you know he's obviously saved them both and that, but he's starting to actually genuinely like them now, isn't he? He is, yeah. Because Tim's sort of like telling them or trying to tell jokes and stuff, and he's like playing along and they're just sort of chatting. But yeah, they kind of fall asleep like one either side of him, and he kind of. He just kind of relaxes into it, doesn't he? He's just like, yeah, mm. maybe, you know, maybe seeing himself with a family with Ellie is kind of what he's thinking. It's like, yeah, I could probably do this now. Yeah. 
so now we get um, a scene, and I quite like this scene. It's inside the back in the visitor center. We get like a shot of the gift shop, and then Hammond sat there eating like fucking twenty tubs of ice cream. He <laughs> is, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just this shot as it pans along, you see all the merchandise, like the lunch boxes and everything. That's just what mm. I remember all the shops being like when I was growing up. Like that was all the exact same sort of stuff that you saw on the shelves everywhere. Um, and I quite like that that shot that it does. Then he just starts talking about like he made an attraction, a flea circus, and it was all an illusion, and he just really wanted this place to be something real that people could touch and kind of keep with them yeah it's quite a good scene and it's another one that i'd forgotten about um and he sort of yeah explains the whole thoughts behind jurassic park doesn't he and why he's really into doing this and everything and it sort of gives a little bit of backstory that he's not so much of a dick really he has got a reason for doing what he's doing yeah and then um like ellie kind of kicks off at him she's like you know you didn't respect or she thinks that he didn't have the respect for what he's done um, or what he was creating, like he wanted to do something amazing, which is obviously what he did. And it's kind of the same argument Malcolm had a bit earlier on. But it's like, you've done this, but you didn't really take into account the consequences of doing something like this. And now, obviously, look where we are. Yeah, I mean, logically, obviously, it could never happen anyway. Well, you'd like to think it could never happen. But it is a disaster, isn't it? Waiting to happen, bringing back things that are extinct that you don't really know a lot about. It's never going to end well, is it? Well, another thing about that as well, it's strange. I know you're not supposed to read that far into it, but it's like they hinted that, yeah, they brought back um, some of the old plant life that would have been around at the time, like stuff that they can feed on. But surely by that point, our Earth's atmosphere would be so different. Like, would the mm. dinosaurs even be able to survive? You know, the air's different. You know, say, like I say, the atmosphere's different. All that kind of ecological thing, it's just not the same as it would have been like 65 million years ago. So would they even actually be able to survive on the planet, yeah. let alone, you know, get out and do whatever it is they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, obviously they became extinct for a reason. We still don't really know why. So, yeah, good shout. So, now we're kind of back in the control room and you've got Sam Jackson, once again, with a fucking fag in his mouth. <laughs> and he's kind of like discussing their plans. He's like, you know, I think I can, if we restart the system, it should hopefully undo whatever Ned- Nedry's done. He's put like a Trojan horse in the system. So if we shut it all down and restart it, it should at least give us our main stuff back. Now, we might get the phones working and put the fences back on, so at least then we can call for help. So they're kind of thinking, no, oh, do we do this, do we not? And they obviously decide to go for it. So he does a classic shutdown thing and counts on his watch. And it's again, it's like Ellie's got the torch on, and you see the silhouette of Sam Jackson with a fucking fag in his mouth <laughs> and all the smoke filling it, and then he just turns around and it's like, or under your butts, and fucking turns it back on. This must be one of the only films where Sam Jackson doesn't say the F word as well. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. This is obviously, I wouldn't say early in his acting career, but obviously a lot earlier than some of the films he's done. (laughs) I don't know if he was so foul-mouthed back then, but all I can think of him is just every other fucking word in the films he does now is worse than us, isn't he? (laughs) So he must have had to tone it down a fair bit for this one. Yeah, definitely. Unless there's just like loads of like cut scenes, because <laughs> literally in every movie he's just like "motherfucker" or something like that. It's like it's kind of like every other fucking, word. <laughs> yeah, it's like his catchphrase. Even in Avengers, he manages to fucking get it in there at one point. Ah, <laughs> oh, gotta love him. But now they've done the shutdown. He looks at the computer and he's like, "Oh, we need to run now to the um the storage shed or the maintenance shed or something. Then I can just manually restart all the systems, and then we kind of like back in action." So. 
he's like, it shouldn't take me too long, five, ten minutes to get across there. So he heads off to do that, and the rest of them head down to like a, it's like an emergency shelter, isn't it? Like a storeroom mm. where they're going to wait until he's done done his thing, really. Which, not being yeah. funny, I think seems a little bit far fetched. It's like because he's just like, as far as we know, he's just kind of an IT guy, isn't he? Yeah. You know, there's dinosaurs running around. Would you really just send him on his own? <laughs> no, of course you wouldn't. You'd at least send Muldoon out, which obviously he does go out in a minute. Um, but yeah, you wouldn't just send him out on his own. He hasn't even got a fucking any kind of weapon, as far as we know, has he? Apart from his cigarette. Maybe he's just going to yeah, stub that out <laughs> on a Velociraptor. I don't know. <laughs> he's going to, like, fucking, I don't know, like, give the dinosaurs nicotine poisoning or something. That's going to be his weapon. <laughs> well, it might work. I don't know. <laughs> so while all this is going on, old uh, Sam Jackson's gone off to do his shit with the circuit breakers and that. Sort of at the same time, old Grant and the kids are in this sort of massive field now and they find some hatched eggs, don't they? Um, and... They're like, but the dinosaurs are breeding. Grant, alarm bells are definitely ringing now because they were told, obviously, they couldn't breed. And then he goes back to the fact they use some frog DNA. And um, there's some kind of West African frog, I believe it is. And they somehow managed to um, to change sex um, just sporadically. So it looks like the DNA is making the, the dinosaurs kind of change gender. So they're, they're actually breeding, which is um, quite interesting, really. Yeah, that is good because that's one thing that, um, like Malcolm hints at. He's like, you know, life finds a way. Because even Grant says that, doesn't he? He's like, you know, Malcolm's right. Life found a way in that. But um, mm. I always thought that was pretty interesting. And again, it's something I probably should have looked into. Because he's like, they, the frogs can change sex in single sex environments to make sure that they can obviously they can breed and keep their population going and such. Mm. I assume that's true. I, I don't think yeah. they've gone that far fetched and made it up for the movie or anything. But yeah, it does sound like lizards and obviously. Um, things they're quite clever aren't they yeah they are yeah i imagine it would be true um like you say nature is incredible you watch these programs and just some of the things that just you just wouldn't believe it's true but obviously nature as we say finds a way we also find out here that um, we get a little bit more about lex being a computer hacker because um after that dinosaur sneezed on her old um tim's having a bit of a go at her saying oh you're never going to go out now you're just going to sit in your room playing that computer you know, what are you, a nerd or whatever? And she's like, no, I'm a hacker. Um, so she sort of hints at that again, which plays quite a big part at the end of the film, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And just, again, thinking about that bit where she gets sneezed on, there's, I swear there's a scene, it kind of zooms in on there, and like, there's a snot, like, dripping off of her lip. And I just think <laughs> yeah. that's so fucking sick. I'd be like, oh, that'd be creeped me out completely. <laughs> yeah, I watched the um, the second half of this not long before we started recording. And, yeah, that, um, I was just eating my lunch as well. I was like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> it's quite strange. Yeah. You don't want to be eating mac and cheese when you're watching this movie. You <laughs> so we also see, um, like, Grant and the kids now, they're sort of in this big kind of clearing, and then they see, um, like, this herd of dinosaurs, I suppose, for lack of a better term. I think they're called mm. Gallimimus. And Grant's doing the whole science thing, and he's like, wow, it's amazing. Look at them. They're like a flock of birds evading a predator. And then Tim's like, oh, shit, they're flocking this way. And then they get basically chased by them, and they're, like, avoiding them narrowly jump over a log to hide, and then the T-Rex just kind of bursts out of the trees and starts eating a load of them. Yeah, this is another one of those sort of scenes I remember from watching it first time, because you get the whole sort of scale of all these dinosaurs running towards them, and then when they jump over that log, and they're jumping over it, and they're sort of standing on the log, and it's going down. And yeah, it still looks pretty good now, I thought. Yeah, I mean, I was watching it on, like I say, Blu-ray, 
last night and I thought, you know, this actually holds up. I mean, yeah, you can tell maybe it's a little bit shiny, mm. but in some ways the type of effects in this movie are better than some of the like hardcore CGI movies you see in modern day. I'm like, there's a much more kind of grounded look to how things are in this, even if you can tell they're fake to what we get in some of the higher budget ones, like even in like, you know, the last couple of years. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it, it set a precedence, didn't it, for CGI. And um, yeah, it's um, it still holds up very well today. This is kind of one of those things I, I know we'll mention it when we get to like the towards the end of the movie and stuff, but the T-Rex just kind of comes and goes, doesn't he, as he pleases. And I suppose it's supposed to give a hint of like their ecosystem going back to normal. Like the, you know, the dinosaurs are out, so now they're in herds, they're flocking, the T-Rex is hunting like he should be. And it's kind of like the world's kind of going back to the way it should be at this point, isn't it? Yeah, that's a really good shout. And the, the T-Rex would be able to do what it wanted. It was the king, wouldn't it? And no one's going to mess with it. Even those big old brachiosaurs and the the big dinosaurs, obviously they're herbivores anyway, but I suppose they could whack it with their tail if they needed to, but they're going to be slow and lumbering, whereas the T-Rex is pretty fast, isn't it? Yeah, it makes you wonder. I mean, I I could have to freshen up a bit, but something like a brachiosaurus, I wouldn't imagine a T-Rex would even hunt for them. Probably just seems like too much hard work, doesn't it? He probably would go for something smaller, get a couple of bite-sized meals in instead of trying to take (laughs) down a big fucking giraffe or whatever they're supposed to be. Yeah, I, th- I think the older uh, the brachiosaurs would be pretty safe. It's like the, going back to the lions and that again. I mean, they don't really attack elephants. I know there was that famous scene which upset a lot of people, where I think some really hungry lions did eventually attack an elephant because it's all they had to eat. There was nothing else. They couldn't catch the gazelles, what they're normally after. But yeah, you wouldn't think it would go after something like that normally. Yeah, I mean, nature kind of has its it's circle, doesn't it? It's obviously going into like Lion King territory or anything, mm. but you know, they have their natural kind of order of who hunts who and what does what. And they don't really deviate unless obviously they're in dire straits. Yeah, exactly. So nature programs aside, um, <laughs> we're now, <laughs> we're now back with um, the group in the, um, their sort of holdout. And Ellie's like starting to panic a little bit. She's like, Oh, something's gone wrong. Um, Mr. Arnold, isn't it, who Sam Jackson plays? That's his name. Yeah, it is, yeah. He's, like, he's been gone too long and something's happened. So she's like, oh, we, we need to go and obviously try and find him or change the circuit breakers ourselves. So Muldoon steps in and he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go with you. So they kind of load up on shotguns and bits and pieces. Hammond's um, going to say, like, look, when you get there, radio me and I'll walk you through the process of resetting it. Yeah, um, he's got so the blueprints, sort of... hasn't he, of the, the, um, the layout. That's one thing as well. We, we said that... Um, Old Sam Jackson, Mr. Arnold went out on his own. The minute Ellie says, I'm going out there, Muldoon's like, yeah, I'll come with you. Yeah, the big butch man, he's going to protect the lady, but he wasn't interested in protecting old poor Sam Jackson, was he? Yeah, exactly. And not being funny, <laughs> like, as we said, those fuck all people. Sam Jackson's probably the only person who knows how to use any of these computers to any effect. He'd be yeah. kind of a high priority for you, wouldn't you? It's like, he's kind of our, our kind of tech specialist. We need him. <laughs> yeah, once he's gone, they're fucked. What are they going to do? Like... You know, there's, like I say, he's the only IT man there. Old Nedry's dead, so yeah. Even if they, um, even if they do get the circuit breakers and that back online, who's going to know how to do all the behind-the-scenes stuff? Yeah, exactly. And also this bit here, like, because they've got Malcolm on the table, and he's obviously his fucking legs broken, he's a bit battered, but he's kind of doing it right now. But old bloody Hammond gets a map out and just slams it straight down on his leg, doesn't he? It's like, <laughs> yeah. fucking hell, have a care, man. He's got a fucking broken leg here. <laughs> yeah. So then we cut back again to Grant and the kids, and they've just found a big perimeter fence. 
Um, and I love this bit because <laughs> Grant throws a stick at it to see if it's on and it's not. And then he grabs hold of it and pretends to be electrocuted. I just yeah. love like, the way he does that. And the kids are like screaming their heads off. And he turns around with his really kind of like sly grin on his face. Like, <laughs> yeah, just made you shit yourself. Yeah, I've actually got that in my notes. Yeah, it's a classic bit, and he just literally does like, and they just turn around, and their fucking <laughs> kids have like literally shat themselves. He's like, yeah, only joking. <laughs> <laughs> so now they've got no choice but to go up and over. So they start climbing this fence, and then we cut back to Muldoon and Ellie, who are now out. And there's Muldoon doing another one of his kind of like really smouldering things as well. Like they walk past the raptor fences or the raptor paddock, and they see, like, the fence has been torn open. And he's like, oh, the circuit breaker must have cut all the fences. Damn it, even <laughs> Ned you do better than to mess around a raptor, Frances. You know, smouldering your lines a bit. <laughs> That's brilliant. So they um, start going into the woods, and Ellie's literally looking everywhere all at once. She's, like, almost fucking having a seizure. Cause she's, like, every noise she hears, she's trying to look to see if it's something. The little Muldoon's, like... Yeah, no, I'd be panicking, <laughs> but Muldoon's like, we're being hunted. I've got her. <laughs> Run. What a shit. And it's like, Ellie goes fucking charging off, and Muldoon goes strutting his stuff to try and take down this raptor. <laughs> Ellie goes this in is the full, bit... um, no, sorry, I was going to say, she goes in full Tomb Raider mode, doesn't she? She jumps over logs, swings over branches, she goes fucking full Lara Croft. I was going to say, yeah, she's almost like parkouring her way through the fucking forest, isn't she? It's like <laughs> mm. a thousand miles an hour. I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't need much motivation to run if there were dinosaurs around. But yeah, she no. does this <laughs> full on like assault course and gets the, the bunker on time. I mean, I don't fucking run for, for, you know, for any reason, but I think that probably would push me to maybe getting a bit of a move on. Yeah, I could probably like manage as like a heavy <laughs> jog in my yeah. condition. but <laughs> A brisk walk. <laughs> 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 she she goes into the bunker and gets on the radio to old Hammond and he's like, oh yeah, follow. He's like trying to give her directions actually. He's cocking it up and Malcolm's there like, no, just tell her to follow the main cables. Yeah. Um, but then we got, this is what pisses me off about Muldoon here. He's supposed to be like this master bloody hunter expert. So how the fuck, because he's, he's stalking this velociraptor and then the one comes from the side and kills him and he's like, oh clever girl and then gets eaten. <laughs> like Grant said he would at the start when he was talking to the kid. But how come Grant, who's been in the desert, surrounded by bones and fat kids, knows how a fucking velociraptor hunts, but Mr. Bloody Muldoon, hunter extraordinaire, who's actually seen them in their habitat and watched them, knows fuck yeah. all about them. Yeah. Yeah, he's so focused on that one that he's got. He's sort of loading the... He's got quite a nice shotgun type thing, and he's kind of getting it ready, and he's getting the, the one in its sights, and he realises that's the one... Well, either side of him. She's got another two coming at him. So yeah, like you say, he's he's almost just not aware of them until it's far too late. And he, he would have known, wouldn't he, surely, that they hunt like that. Yeah, you'd like to think so. Like, there's sort of big game experts. And he's like the only one on the island who's supposed to keep the dinosaurs in check. As you said earlier, it's like, <laughs> what, all these dinosaurs versus one bloke in his fucking short shorts. It's like, <laughs> clearly not very good. But yeah, that well, is a really like... cool scene. <laughs> Yeah, the first time he comes face to face with some of them, he dies. So it wasn't very good at all. <laughs> but I do like that bit that because it's got that close up side angle, and he's like looking down his shotgun, and then the bush right next to him just opens up, and he's like two inches away from a fucking raptor's mm. face, and that's quite creepy the way that happens. Yeah, isn't that when he goes, "Clever girl," is that that bit, or was that before? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he does that, and then he just gets jumped on. And again, his death's pretty full on, but it's kind of like behind leaves, isn't it? So you don't actually see any gore but you yeah. hear like the screams and see the like impression of the raptor killing him 
Yeah, it's very well shot. I thought that even with the grainy copy I saw, where yeah, it's it's behind the leaves, but you do still see sort of a lot of what's going on, but just about enough to keep it as a PG, really. Yeah, it wasn't a, a Jaws moment. <laughs> no. <laughs> so now um, we sort of get another shot and just see that, you know, uh, Grant and the kids are making their way up this massive fence and they're kind of getting to the top now and going over. And then we cut back to Ellie inside the um, like the, uh, the the room, basically, with all like, the, um, the electrics. And she finds the panel to turn everything on. So she starts pumping the generator and then starts pressing the buttons and it zooms down. And right at the bottom of all the flick things she's flicking, it's the perimeter fence. So you know, obviously, she's going to put that on, and you need obviously Grant and the kids to be off. But seriously, wouldn't you think a perimeter fence would be at the top as one of the main <laughs> things? You, you know, it's like right, everything's yeah. gone down, animals could be loose. Let's get the perimeter fence on as one of the first things as a containment measure, and then we'll turn yeah. everything else on. Why would it be at the bottom? I actually thought exactly the same thing watching this earlier obviously it's there for the tension the fact she's turning all the other fences on first but yeah that would be the main one you want to get on because if they get out the small fences you know you've got a problem when they get out the perimeter fence you've got a fucking massive problem <laughs> so yeah totally um yeah obviously they the the kids and grant now are aware that something's going on because the fences started buzzing hasn't it so they know the power's due to come back on and Ellie, not Ellie, uh, what's her name? The girl, Lex, Lex. And yeah, and Grant, they've got to the bottom now, but Tim's struggling a bit and he's not really happy climbing this fence. And they're sort of egging him on to get down as old Ellie's pressing these buttons one by one, getting closer to the perimeter fence one. Yeah, because Grant's like, you know, you're going to have to jump and stuff, or because, like they say, the light's flashing and shit. Um, and he's like, you know, you're just going to have to jump and I'll catch you. And bit by bit as you see it keeps cutting between the two doesn't it and they sort of yeah. getting a bit more panicked and then ellie hits the perimeter fence and fucking tim gets shocked <laughs> and comes flying off the fence and grant magically catches him <laughs> um and again a good reaction from the girl who plays lexi she's like screaming and she's like timmy mm. timmy you're like yeah you've seen her brother get fucking cooked and grant's like oh, he's not breathing but again tim survives everything this must have been what you were mentioning earlier but this is yeah, the other thing he manages to survive yeah, I mean, we've seen the sign up. That, that uh, fence is 10,000 volts. Um, and that, my old man, as I, I think, you know, he used to be an electrician, not just like a household one, working on the big fucking power grids and stuff. And, um, you know, I don't want to sound morbid, but he saw a couple of workmates get killed on those things because, you know, you, you touch one of those, you don't fucking survive it. So this kid, he is one lucky motherfucker. That's all I can say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know what it's like just to get like a little shock from something around the house, you know, and you suddenly, mm. you know, buzzes <laughs> your finger and that. But yeah, 10,000 volts on this kid who's already been fucking thrown around by a T Rex. <laughs> He's yeah. lucky to be alive in the first place. And Grant obviously does a bit of CPR and manages to save him, and his hair's all like stuck up quite amusingly. <laughs> but yeah, just it is a hell of a stretch is how much Tim manages to survive. Yeah, it is. But, you know, this is um, definitely a film where the kids aren't going to die, are they? Which is good. We don't like seeing that sort of thing, but we have seen films recently where they have killed a few children off quite shockingly. But yeah, it was never going to happen in this, but it's, it is a bit of a stretch. It's a bit of a thing. When you actually look at a lot of Spielberg's movies, he usually does a lot of it through the eyes of children, doesn't he? Mm, he does. But his children yeah. always play a heavy part in pretty much all of his movies. Yeah. So then we cut back to the bunker and like, all the lights are coming on and Ellie's like, oh yeah, I think we're back in business. And then this fucking raptor bursts through the pipes behind her, which is a bit of a jump scare, really. I remember that actually being 
actually making me jump into cinema back in the day. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then she obviously has this chase. She's running away from the raptor, and then she bumps into something. And Arnold's hand comes down on her shoulder and she's like, oh, oh, thank God, Mr. Arnold. And sort of turns around and then you just see like his severed arm like, hanging off of her <laughs> shoulder. And then she's like freaking out and I've then runs away. It's funny <laughs> thing where Sam Jackson doesn't have a cigarette. <laughs> I thought it might be one in his finger, you know, in, in between his fingers, but no. <laughs> he, maybe he died of it, you know, a bit like a pone, isn't it? Like he's got a cigar in his mouth pretty much right until the end. Yeah. <laughs> so Ellie gets away... Um, just narrowly escapes the bunker with his like fucking Velociraptor after her. And then we see Grant arrive at the visitor center and he tells the kids to stay put and he's going to go and look for the others. And I love that scene where they sort of walk over and there's just this table like completely full of like cakes and food. And yeah, Tim picks up the two big kind of like the serving spoons, doesn't he? And he's just like, right, I'm ready for food. <laughs> One thing though, right? We've said this kid's got nine lives. He's just nearly been electrocuted. And then he just starts fucking eating like nothing's happened. Like, you know, <laughs> he's nearly been eaten by a fucking T-Rex. He's nearly been toasted. And then the next thing he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to eat some ice cream and shit. <laughs> Another thing here, though, and this is something Rachel pointed out, which is a good show. Um, there's like fucking, I mean, there's fucking loads of food. It's like a banquet. And as we yeah. know, there's only 10 people on this island. And it's been left out overnight, obviously, as well. And this is all like, you know, fresh food. It would melted and gone all shitty by now. But it's like, how much food were they planning on wasting? You could feed the royal family with the amount of food that's on these tables. Yeah, maybe it's all just for Dennis Nedry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he would have um, gone through that. But I was just thinking, yeah, what a waste of fucking cakes there for like an island that's only got like 10 people. Yeah, there is a hell of a lot, isn't there? <laughs> so Grant finds um ellie he's just out i don't know where he's supposed to be he's just gone outside no, again he's just stood there shouting his head off and it's like keep it yeah. down there are dinosaurs still about grant um, yeah they just have a random sort of reunite in the middle of i don't know like a, outside somewhere i thought that i don't know where they're supposed to be i think it's just to, to emphasize the fact that they're back together yeah because ellie kind of like comes up over this little ridge and sees him and then she's like run but then they just run and hug each other. It's like, you're not running away, it's what running towards each other. Yeah. Uh, and then we get this another really pretty cool sequence, I think, and I love the way it's shot. So they're eating their food, Lex and Tim are, and on the back wall, there's like a painting of all the dinosaurs, and then like they have the shadow of a real velociraptor coming up over the actual painted raptor. And I like the way that sort of like, that silhouette happens, but Lex is there with his fucking spoonful of jelly and she starts shaking <laughs> and it starts going mental like it's fucking, I'm surprised it doesn't stay on the spoon yeah it's really good that though the, the jelly wobbling on the spoon and the, the shadow on the wall is um is pretty cool they managed to get into like the, the main kitchen now don't they it's a fucking huge kitchen I guess it would be um for the, the people they're expecting to come to this park but yeah this scene this scene is definitely um well it's like the, the main end scene now isn't it we're into the last 20 minutes or so yeah, it's um, it's like one of those big mess kitchens, isn't it? Um, mm, yeah. and they're sort of hiding behind. It's all very metallic, and there's loads of reflections everywhere. So they're kind of hiding. Then the raptors follow them into the kitchen. So they kind of had this little cat and mouse game of trying to sneak around, not making noise. Yet Tim manages to make every fucking everything <laughs> he goes by. He manages to headbutt it or knock it and make as much fucking noise as he can. And no yeah. wonder he's fucking dicing with death. And they're just yeah, sort but... of being stalked, aren't they, by these raptors? Yeah, but we know obviously he's got nine lives. He's only used two of them, so he should be all right for another seven. But 
there's um there's quite a good bit actually just before this um ellie's talking to i think it's hammond and i think it's all the, the rest of the crew actually that are alive apart from the kids and they say something about um the raptors and she's like yeah unless they've worked out how to figure to open doors then she she says i don't know about them being safe unless they've worked out how to open doors and then it cuts to the fucking velociraptor opening the kitchen door where the kids are yeah yeah because grant's like yeah is there two raptors and she's like yeah the other one's contained unless they figure out open doors yeah that's, that's a good shout on that bit and then like you say for evidence it cuts straight back yeah and they have figured out how to open doors <laughs> <laughs> There's a bit here, and it always used to confuse me a bit as a kid. I don't know why it did, but the kids kind of get separated, and um, Tim's kind of eyeing up a big kind of like freezer that's got like a big walk-in freezer. The doors open, hmm. and he's thinking, "Oh yeah, maybe I could trap one in there." And Lex kind of climbs into this little—I um, don't know what it's supposed to be—but it's like a kind of a little cubby hole yeah. with a slide-down door. And the raptor sees her reflection in the the unit that's opposite her, and it runs towards the reflection headbutts it and falls over and then Lex escapes. That always used to confuse me as a kid. I was like, wait a minute, he just hit her, but she's not there. And it's just like the way it's shot. When I was a lot younger, it's just like, I don't actually get what just happened there. Yeah, that's a really good um, little thing though. I thought that was quite cool and I'd forgotten about that. Watching it earlier, I put it in my notes. The fact that it headbutts the shadow is quite cool and that allows her to escape because she's trying to pull down the, the door of this little cubby hole she's in and it's stuck, obviously, because for dramatic effects, these things always get stuck in these films. And you're kind of thinking that she's going to pull it down just in time, but she doesn't. And you see it run towards, and you think, shit, it's going to kill her. But it's actually running towards the shadow. So yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's a good tense moment. And she, she goes like belting off, as you fucking would, like a bloody Acme mm. rocket down the bloody, <laughs> <laughs> down the bloody kitchen. And Lex, uh, not Lex, uh, Tim, who, despite everything, now just has a little limp. You know, yeah. he's lucky. <laughs> he should be dead. But he's like, he sort of does his limpy run towards the freezer and the other raptor starts chasing him and he kind of slips on the ice and swings around doesn't he and the raptor comes charging in and goes ass over head into the freezer so yeah they manage to lock that raptor in which i assume stays in there and then they they make their escape and then bump into grant and ellie and then they make a run for the control room yeah we're into the sort of final end sequence now aren't we yeah because this bit here like they go in um and the raptor's chasing them. And like, I love that scene. Like, there's a door with like a kind of, like you used to see in boats, that little like circular bit of glass, isn't there? Mm, like, yeah. sort of nautical thing. And Grant looks through it and there's nothing there. And he looks down and he's like, oh, we need to get the door lock sorted. And when his head comes back up, there's a raptor just like fucking staring at him like Michael Myers. I think that shot's really good. <laughs> it is. You kind of see really close its eye looking into the window and then it breathes on it and the sort of steam from its nose and its nostrils as it's breathing. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I picked up on that earlier. It looks really cool. So the raptor kind of headbutts the door, and they, Ellie and Grant are trying to hold it shut, and it's knocked the shotgun out of his hands. So Lex runs onto the computer, and this is where also that hint that she's a good hacker and all that sort of stuff comes into it. So she, bit by bit, while they're trying to hold the door shut, is trying to find the right program to activate the door locks and turn everything back on. No, I was thinking like Tim's just stood there flapping around. Why don't he put the you know push the shotgun towards Grant or something to try and help yeah. him out? But he's just there flapping. I know he's a kid. Obviously, he probably wouldn't think straight. But I'm like, you know, just pick the shotgun up and give it to Grant so they can defend themselves. Yeah, it's probably sheer terror to be fair. But 
It's um, it's another one of those things. Obviously, this film's a little bit later than the thing and Alien and that, but it's is that sort of computer where she's hacking it, and it's really cartoony fucking system she's hacking. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't look like that. No, because it's kind of like just little blocks or like, buildings, isn't it, on these little <laughs> grid maps or something? It's like she's playing a game or something like Minecraft or something. Yeah, and it's like I don't know. I mean, computers weren't really that big. Over here, I remember not having computers like that at school, at least. Anyway, so it's like it is a bit far fetched. You know, what kind of computers has she had at this point in 1993 that she's able yeah. to do all this? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you'd imagine they're quite a, a well-off family. Her granddad's obviously quite well off of what he's done with Jurassic Park, but we don't hear anything about her actual parents, do we? No, no, that's true. And we do see them briefly in the second movie, I think, um, Lex and Tim, but only as like a little cameo. But she obviously manages to hack this computer and reactivate everything and lock the door. Um, so then Grant manages to call Hammond and say, like, you know, the phones are working. And just he's about, he says, like, you know, call the mainland and get the helicopters in here. But then the raptor starts breaking through the big windows now to come and get them. So they get a ladder and kind of go up into the crawl space at the top, don't they, like along the roof? Mm, yeah. This is pretty cool, actually, because the raptor sort of comes up through the, the roof, doesn't it? And it's Lex is there and she sort of falls down a bit and then isn't doesn't um Grant like fucking start hitting the raptor or kicking it or something and it falls down, doesn't it? And it's sort of flapping around on the floor. You see it sort of from the above view and it's sort of sprawling around on the floor. Yeah, because that's a good um again, it's quite a tense sequence because it's a, like you yeah. say, a top down view, and Lex is kind of holding on because as the raptor falls down, like the it's only one of those thick polystyrene roof tiles isn't it like you're getting off yeah. this building and stuff so that breaks she's holding on so grant's trying to pull her back up and he, he gets her leg in just as the raptor comes up for a big old snap and it's like an inch away from fucking taking her leg off mm. yeah so she's um used one of her nine lives there as well <laughs> and then we get to like the final kind of sequence which is pretty cool but also there's a, a bit of a sketchy bit here but they climb out into the main visitor center where they've got this big skeleton of a T-Rex, haven't they? So they start yeah. kind of climbing onto it because they're now surrounded by raptors. I think there's two of them in the room, isn't there? Two or three, yeah. So they're sort of climbing down and um, they get to the bottom because this skeleton starts falling apart and they're surrounded by the raptors who are about to kind of pounce and leap. And literally out of nowhere, with no fucking sound or warning, <laughs> the T-Rex fucking arrives, which is a really cool shot because there's velociraptor jumps and in midair the t-rex just kind of catches it and kills it basically and saves the day but it's like yeah no one noticed a fucking t-rex coming into the room he's not an inconspicuous <laughs> character is he how did he fucking get in here he just sort of turns up unannounced and he, he kind of saves the day and becomes the hero doesn't he from being like obviously the big bad guy he actually turns out to be a bit of a hero yeah definitely i mean it's, it's a really cool sequence i love it um and again, Lex does one of her fucking almighty screams at this part as well. But yeah. I just think, you know, you didn't hear any footsteps. And again, it's all done for dramatic effect for the movie. We know that. But I'm just thinking, logically, you'd probably notice a fucking T-Rex turning up. If you're in like a, just like a visitor <laughs> centre room, no matter what's going on, he's going to be noticed. Yeah, yeah, totally true. But there we go. But yeah, he saves the day. Good old T-Rex. And um, yeah, happy days. They're all actually alive. Um and we just sort of, um, they go to old uh, Hammond now, don't they? And say they've decided, so I think um, Grant tells him he's decided he's, he's not going to endorse the park. And even at this point, Hammond sort of says, I agree. He's kind of conceded it's not a good idea, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And they kind of drive off. Just um, after they drive off to the helicopters, we get 
it's the front cover of the um the set that I've got on Blu-ray, but it's a really cool shot of the T-Rex. He's just finished off the two raptors, but he kind of turned around, doesn't he, and roars. Yeah. But he's kind of in the same position as the skeleton version of him was. And then you get that banner coming down. It's like when dinosaurs roam the earth. I just think that shot is just really badass. Yeah, it's a really cool ending shot, actually. And they could have probably ended it there, but we we just get back to them in the chopper now, don't we? And the kids are asleep on um, old Grant and stuff, and they're flying to sort of, well, away from from Jurassic Park. And you get to see the, the flock of birds. I'm not sure what birds they are. Big albatross-type things, aren't they? I'm not sure what they are. But sort of showing it normality, they're getting back to normality. Yeah, and it's you've got that closing that kind of like piano version of the tune, isn't it? Yes. Like the theme tune yeah. being played really kind of melodically and like yeah. you see Malcolm's kind of asleep. You say like Grant's got the kids, Ellie's kind of looking at him, all kind of like smitten. And <laughs> poor Hammond, he's just kind of sat there just looking because he's on his cane, hasn't he? He's got the little amber thing with the yeah, he's mosquito at it and he's just forlornly, as if to say, my dream's over. Yeah. And you do kind of feel for him because like you kind of get obviously obviously is um his spare no expense thing is all bullshit because he hires a bunch of fucking pillocks. But <laughs> yeah. his idea of what he wanted to create was obviously quite amazing. And it's kind of a, a bittersweet ending, isn't it? Because you think, yeah, they survived and you're quite happy, but it's kind of quite sad at the turn of events that went through. Yeah, it is. It's another one of those sort of strange endings. I guess it did wrap things up, but obviously we know there were sequels that weren't very good. In fact, I can't remember much about the sequels, but yeah. it's Probably it for the a, best. Yeah, yeah. It is a, a sort of almost strange ending. It is a little bit sad. Um, but, yeah, pretty much wraps it up, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And then it just sort of closes out with the, the main theme song kind of kicking in properly. So let's give this one some scores. Do you fancy going first there, JT? Um, I can do. I, I do normally go first. So, yeah, I'll go first again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. So, as I say, I watched this again on a shitty DVD with bad quality. Um, obviously, I've seen it hundreds of times before. Um, the last time I saw it actually before yesterday and today was um, a couple of years ago. It's the first ever film I watched with my girlfriend. We were looking for something to watch, flicking through Netflix, and we both it just clicked on it. We both looked at each other and went, Jurassic Park. So it's kind of got a little bit of a sentimental sort of value for me from that as well, and also from seeing it back in the cinema when it first came out. So it's it's got quite a sort of big place in my heart, this film. Um, I think it still stands up really well today. I think it looks great. Storyline, although it's pretty basic, it's still such a good storyline. I think it's brilliant. Everyone in it is excellent. All the actors are excellent. The kids are excellent. Sam Neill, uh, Laura Dern, Goldblum, everyone is brilliant in this film. It's pretty full on from start to finish. We get a little build up and then it just kicks off and it's quite relentless, really. Um Laura Dern, I think, looks really good in this film. I've always had a thing for her in this film. Um, the music's iconic. It's just a, a classic, and I, I can't give it any less than five udders. It has to be a full five udders again for me, Bread Roll. No, oh, very good. Very good. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't really disagree with anything you said there, apart from obviously watching it with your girlfriend. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um but no, it is. It, for me, as I said at the start of the, the podcast, this for me is, I'd almost say it's the movie of my childhood because I think I've, there's probably been like three big movie events that I can remember being like absolutely like dominating throughout my lifetime. This was the one when I was a kid. This movie was everything. It was everywhere. 
I had like the fucking sticker albums, some of the toys, the merchandise, you name it. I was all over this movie when I was a kid. After that, it was probably episode one, but we don't talk about that. And after that, it was probably episode seven. Those are the three big, like, when movies just absolutely dominate everything. They were the three big movies. But yeah, this this is such a great movie, great music, great cast. As you say, it's a simple storyline. It gives you just enough of the start to kind of set the scene. And then it just kind of goes off on one and you're just along for the roller coaster ride. Mm. Um, it really is the epitome of movie magic for me. As we said, you know, back back in the day when Spielberg was in his prime, his movies were gold. Like he, yeah. he was just such a good director and you can't really fault it really. I mean, yeah, there's a couple of continuity issues, as we said, and it doesn't really make sense that, you know, why is there only 10 people on this island? And I don't understand why there's so many sequels because surely you'd figure out making a theme park with dinosaurs <laughs> didn't work the first time, didn't work the second, third and fourth time. It's not going to work <laughs> any other time, is it? But there we go. But um, yeah, yeah, absolutely iconic movie. Love it to bits. Um, this is the first time I'd watched it in quite some time and the magic was still there. There was parts that were giving me goosebumps and giving me the whole nostalgia drive. So yeah, it's getting five others from me as well. It is a top movie. Excellent stuff. That's two weeks in a row, two Spielberg films and they've both got maximum scores. But yeah, just going, going back to that movie magic, I mean, obviously things are a lot different at the moment, but even before COVID, I don't think that, the, the films that come out now just don't have that hype and that excitement. Maybe it's because I'm older now and miserable, but they don't have the hype and excitement that this had when it came out. And I wasn't a kid when this came out. I mean, I wasn't old, but, you know, I was a teenager. But, yeah, I just, the magic's just not there anymore like this, I don't think. Yeah, it is really, really quite spectacular. I'd probably say this probably was the, the biggest movie moment of my sort of like movie enjoying life, like of my whole lifetime, this was just so big when it came out. And it's like that movie that really took you through childhood. Obviously people from the seventies, it was star Wars, wasn't it really? You know, you get yeah. these movies every 10, maybe 20 years where just something comes out. That's really phenomenal, but it just doesn't seem to happen as much anymore. But yeah, it is absolutely uh superb. And I think it's timeless as well. Like, this is a movie, as we say, it's one of those ones that's a Spielberg movie. That's a PG that can actually be a PG. Like you can let your kids watch it, really. Obviously, not your young, young kids, but you know, kids that are around sort of eight years old, ten years old, yeah, yeah. will watch this and lap it up. Yeah, yeah. If my daughter had been with me this weekend, I definitely would have watched it with her. Although she'd have pissed me off, so I'd have been trying to type notes and stuff. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, yeah, classic, classic. No, no other description for it really. So um, we're doing another Spielberg film next week, aren't we? And it's one I haven't seen, which is another one of my sort of confessions because i probably should have seen it would you like to uh, enlighten people bread roll i will yeah so we are doing a bit of a spielberg theme at the moment now when we first started our podcast we were thinking of doing bits and pieces we started off with only fools and horses and then obviously we went on to movies as um all our lovely listeners know one of the things we wanted to do is obviously re-watch movies that we love watch some fucking weird obscure movies which we've done but also try and not throw each other under the bus but try and get a bit of a mix of something that maybe one of us likes and the other one doesn't so the movie we're doing next week is a movie i've seen umpteen times i love this movie i'm not sure what rating it's going to get from me but it is one of my favorites and one that jt has never seen so we're going to be reviewing it from a point of view of someone who's a long-time viewer and a first-time viewer and it's saving private ryan yeah, and like I say, that is a confession I've never seen. It. I don't know why I've never seen it. I'm not a huge fan of war films. Um, Platoon is one of my favourites. Obviously, that's Vietnam. 
but war films in general i'm not a massive fan of so i don't know if i'm going to like this or not so it could be interesting yeah we look forward to that so as always to our lovely listeners out there thank you for tuning in and hopefully you're enjoying obviously listening to us bumble on about movies <laughs> if you ever do want to get in touch with us then you can do on twitter at the hyperbaric goats and from bread roll this week this is me signing off and from jt i've just got one last thing to say that is one big pile of shit.